AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. Oh yeah, we're live. How's it going, everybody? We're still here at Turning Point USA. Thanks for, for, for tuning in. We got some, some, some big news on this, which will be our last show of the year 2022. And what a year it was. So, I don't know about you guys, but I was glued to the Kerry Lake trial all day. And it was, it, it was rough because I'm just sitting there. I, I got to work but I can't stop watching because the testimony is riveting. And I believe that there was once again bombshell evidence provided this time from the People's Pundit, big data polling, Richard Barris. Very, very interesting testimony. And then we got the closing arguments, which in my opinion, I'm, I'm not going to mince words. I think the defense had, had a, a, a good argument. And the plaintiff, this is Kerelik's lawyers, I think did not, did not hit, 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 hit the nail on the head with a hammer, but we will see. This really just depends on whether or not the judge is willing to uh, ad- adhere, I suppose. Uh, well, I got to be careful. There's a lot of mar- arguments to be made. I think based on what we've seen already, there stands, uh, there, there's reason to believe there were significant errors. This is witness testimony. This is, uh, and, and data. But it's going to depend on whether or not the judge agrees it was intentionally done to hurt Carrie Lake, which is... Let's be honest, very, very difficult, if not impossible to prove. But it does seem that the plaintiff, Carrie Lake's team, did provide evidence that there was intent at the very least, whether or not it was intent to actually subvert the election. We don't we don't we don't have that. And that may be where the judge comes back and says, nope, Carrie Lake, you're out. So we'll talk about that. Plus, this one's crazy. Sam Bankman Freed somehow got his bail paid for two hundred and fifty million dollars. It may have been a 10 percent bond or something. But it's the biggest bond apparently in history, and and it was paid for, and he's being released. We got to talk about that. Plus, this one I, I think is big. New a new story exclusive. I believe this is Daily Mail exclusive. Facebook, Google, and Twitter. It's not just Twitter are riddled with former intelligence employees. When I say former, I think only on paper. So we'll get into all that stuff. Before we get started, my friends, head over to TimCast.com, become a member, click that Join Us button. And uh, you will get access to exclusive segments from the TimCast IRL podcast, as well as Cast Castle Vlog, Tales from the Inverted World. And with your support as members, we will continue to do the things that we do, like coming down here to Arizona to hang out with Turning Point USA, do these shows on set. But also, we're building cafes, we're building physical locations, we're launching new shows. We're going to keep doing whatever it is we can to build a cultural movement and actually have a major impact. So don't forget to smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends, become a member at TimCast.com. Joining us today to talk about this, and boy, is it perfect. We got Blake Masters. What's up? Great to be with you here. Thanks. Uh, Who are you? Well, I ran for Senate here in Arizona in 2022. Uh, Came up a little bit short. We'll talk about that, right? I obviously watched this Carrie Lake trial today with keen interest, and Carrie, of course, is a is a good friend of mine. And, um, you know, before that, I worked in technology. I ran Peter Thiel's family office uh, in San Francisco and then Los Angeles. And so uh, so I've had one foot in the tech investing world and one foot in the political world for the past couple of years. And um, and potentially the new CEO of Twitter right here. Is that the rumor? We we, we will see. <laughs> Almost certainly not. Right, and right. Uh, anyone who wishes that for me wishes a lot of pain for me. We wished it for the show. Like, how cool would that be if, like, Thursday comes around? It just so happens it's Blake Masters, CEO of Twitter. Oh, but you're right. It's a curse. It's a curse. 
it'd be pretty cool. And I do think from a product direction, like there's all these interesting things we could do. I think you could actually make Twitter quite profitable in five years. I'm not sure the balance sheet has five years though, right, Elon? I think right. he says he said it's on the path to bankruptcy in what? couple months he said it was a plane with the engines on fire the controls aren't working but he did say he thinks he can get it cash flow even by next year which is is a good sign so we'll see but uh i think he should keep running it by the way i agree that's when when people say blake you should go run twitter it's like i think elon can do a better job of it than i can and so why wouldn't we just uh want him to run it he's shown he can run multiple multi-billion dollar companies at once i agree Thanks for joining us. We also got Luke hanging out. Hey, guys. Very simple message for you guys here today. Two plus two equals five. The truth is whatever the government wants it to be. Just don't believe the evidence of your eyes and ears. And you could be a trendy slave by uh, representing your uh, larger compliance with this shirt on thebestpoliticalshirts.com because you guys buy the shirts. That's why I'm here. That's the best way to support me. Thebestpoliticalshirts.com because you do. That's why I'm here. You should write books like George Orwell. You're good at that kind of thing. I, I think so. Hi, everybody. Ian Crossland here from iancrossland.net. Happy to be here. Happy to talk to you, Blake, about tech. And then, of course, we'll talk about politics, too. But let's just get down to it. Let's jump into this first story, man. It's the it's the last show of the year. So we're going to talk about Carrie Lake. And uh, I, I was watching this trial all day. I got to pull up this story from Fox News because this is just it's, it's absolutely insane. Fox News publishes this story. Carrie Lake's opening salvo in election fraud case appears to fall short. It's not a fraud case. Carrie Lake's trial right now is about invalid ballots. Lake's fraud allegations didn't appear to explain her 17,000 vote loss to Katie Hobbs. She did not make a fraud allegation. They explicitly said they are not making a fraud allegation. It's crazy to me, not so surprising, when even Fox News is not telling the story correctly. So I'll give you the gist of what we saw yesterday and where we're at today. So yesterday, what do we hear? One witness testified that he was given a a sample of certain ballots, and he found that in all of the samplings, there were 19-inch images printed on 20-inch paper, which we know from both the defense and the plaintiff, the the machines would reject that. He then testified the ballots were then duplicated, but the originals were not stored along with them, breaking chain of custody. And that's the one that's crazy to me. Like, is anybody talking about that? Like, if you fill out a ballot and they told you to put it in box three, and you did, because it didn't count, they would duplicate it and run the duplicate through the machine, and then they lost the original. So how do we compare these two and know they're actually the same? That should have been brought up. We then heard from one witness that 298,000 ballots had no chain of custody. This one's simple. The judge should have just said to the defense, can you produce the chain of custody document in question? They didn't have it. They didn't produce it. I don't understand how, how we're at this point. Today, we heard from the People's Pundit, Richard Barris. He said that exit polling returns for Election Day were substantially lower than anything he's ever seen ever. I think he said something like 72 percent when he normally looks for around 95 to 98 percent returns. And he believes this is because people did not people were not able to vote. So thus, they did not come back. Now, this was challenged, but he basically said due to the errors, they talked to voters. Voters said that there were long lines and there were tabulation machine problems. And because of that, he believes people did experience issues. People reported issues and thus a substantial amount of voters were disenfranchised. They argued against this today, but I think it's particularly compelling. But keep in mind, it's not definitive proof. It's circumstantial evidence. Ultimately, what we end up getting in the closing arguments. And this was really good for the defense. They said it, Your Honor. You instructed in your uh, in your um, ruling that the plaintiff would have to prove intentional misconduct with the intent 
to to basically subvert the election or flip it in another direction. And they have not proven that. That's that's important because the judge is going to be like, you're right. You can't prove an individual acted intentionally in an effort to hurt Kerry Lake. Therefore, even if the ballots are invalid or otherwise, doesn't matter. That makes no sense to me, because if I trip and fall and accidentally subvert an election, that election got subverted. So it would be no good. You'd have to do a new one. It doesn't matter what my intentions were. But the but I, I guess as per the law, the judge, the judge ruled if you can prove that someone intentionally acted to alter the outcome of the election, then they would be that's what they that, that was the stipulation for what they needed to win. And it appears the only evidence they presented was that, yes, at uh, I think it was like six, six locations they tested. They found the ballot tabulators were misconfigured. The only way the misconfiguration could happen is if someone intentionally altered the printer settings. It was not an accident. And then the defense contends, OK, and even if someone intentionally did that, you can't prove the person who did did it to hurt Carrie Lake. Therefore, we win. Oh, I mean, that is a leap. If you intentionally do something uh, that subverts an election, what that doesn't matter if it was about Carrie is not even it doesn't make sense. If, you, if they intentionally changed it to a 19 inch ballot, then that was intent. And Blake, what do you right. make of, of this uh, you know, court hearing? What's your assessment on what you're seeing? Well, I think the standard that the judge is requiring is even higher, right? It's actually Kerry's team had to show intent plus a different result. They, right? they, they had to show had to intent and the result would have been different, but for all of these changes. A, a and tangible that's really number. hard to prove. Like, we'll see what the judge rules tomorrow, right? But what's indisputable is that Kerry and her legal team have shown they've just put out in front of everybody all these called them, whether it's mistakes or active malfeasance, the election was really messed up was really messed up. Like people went to go vote on election day and the machines didn't work. Well, like the printers did not work. How does that happen? And, and, I, and I think third world is what one of is. the witnesses said 132 uh, voting locations. There were issues. Yeah, it's like 30 percent of the voting locations. Yeah, it's really crazy. I think. And Abe Hamaday, the attorney general, right? He, his election was certified as a loss by like 500 votes. And I know he's in litigation, too, and they're doing a recount, but 500 votes. And everybody of good conscience knows, and we sued on election day to try to get the polls to stay open for a couple more hours. That was rejected. Had wow. the polls stayed open one more hour, Abe would be going into his recount probably up a few thousand votes because those votes on election day were breaking heavily for Republicans. So Abe's was super close, and I think that obviously swung it. Carrie's at 17,000. I think she has a good claim that like, hey, if the printers worked and people could actually vote when they showed up, that she'd be the governor of Arizona. Let's, 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 let's argue, uh, for the sake of argument, Let's say the voter tabulation problems and all that didn't exist. A witness testified that 298,000 ballots had no chain of custody. How do how can you verify where those ballots come from? And then you actually I'm pretty sure the defense, uh, the defense's own witness. Uh, I'm not sure if it was Jarrett uh, testified like, well, yeah, we, we we didn't track that. But by law, they have to. So, OK, hold on there a minute. If this episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com tech. If I was a judge and someone came to me and said the margin 17,000, and these 290,000 have no chain of custody. I'd say, well, okay, that's against the law. New election. End of story. 
I bet the judge won't do that because the law doesn't say, hey, new election. Right? And I think we need to change the state law. I think the state legislature should say, hey, if you can't prove chain of custody, you can't assume that's a fair election. But it, it appears that the burden of proof right now is on the Kerry Lake team. The that, judge is going to say, well, hey, OK, chain of custody, that was broken. That's technically a violation of the law. But what's the remedy? Right. You haven't shown me that they injected new ballots. And that's probably impossible to prove. Maybe it didn't happen. Right. What what happens to this state? If the judge comes out and says, yeah, you know, it's against the law to not have chain of custody, but uh, too bad. I mean, what are the people I have to imagine half of this state and, 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 and not, let alone how the elections impact the rest of the country. But I mean, if if I lived here and I was a voter and I was told in the press by the judge and by everyone, these these ballots have no chain of custody, so we can't verify them, but we're going to count them anyway. How could I have faith in that system? It'd be really hard to. And that's unfortunate, right? Like whether Republicans win or not, like I want everybody to know that their vote counted. I want everyone to know that we have a first world election system. And the truth is that as soon as you criticize our elections, people call you an election denier, right? Well, we have better elections than some countries and we have worse elections than almost every Western democracy, right? And the truth is somewhere in the middle. And apparently what we're learning in Maricopa is you can botch an election. You can just botch it. And if no one can prove that you did it with the purpose of putting your thumb on the scale and that it actually mathematically changed the result, you can get away with it. How about this? It was um, Maricopa County testified. I believe it was uh, Maricopa County. Correct me if I'm wrong, please uh, double check all this. I'm watching the trial and there's a lot that has to be parsed through. But they initially testified that 19 inch ballots could not appear on 20 inch paper. Then when the plaintiff's witness came up and said, actually, yeah, we have it. And they published images of this. They come back today and go, oh, actually, we knew about that problem. It affected three other elections. And it's like, whoa, 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 hold on. And he's like, now we're doing a root cause analysis of that. So but you said the other day it couldn't happen. Now you're saying, oh, yeah, we knew about that. OK, so you knew that was a problem. It's been a problem. You didn't fix it. The, to me, it's insane that what we're basically hearing is the election was improperly done in two ways. The ballot tabulators were, were improperly configured. They knew it was they knew it was improperly configured. They're trying to figure out how. And there was lost chain of custody on these ballots. And they would just be like, yeah, well, you know, the crazy thing to me is this is the will of the people, the utmost of the utmost importance for our nation, for each state, for each jurisdiction to know that we are governed uh, with the consent of the people, but that they would come out and the judge would be like, yeah, these these call into question the integrity of the election, but we're going to roll with it anyway. I mean, I think people are going to lose their minds if that ends up being the ruling. And I'll tell you, there's already a lot of appetite for more election integrity in Arizona, right? It's Kerry's whole platform was, I'm going to go in and clean this up. Whether you're Republican or Democrat, I'm going to bring more transparency to the system, right? We're going to reform all this stuff. And now if we don't get that opportunity, it's my heart breaks for the people in Arizona. It's like, why would anyone trust it? So, Blake, you ran for the Senate. You did not win. What's what's different about your election? How did it go? You know, what was your well, the margin is different. You know, I, I think I was I, I lost by about one hundred twenty five thousand votes was the official difference between Mark Kelly and me. And, uh, you know, I think I drew a tougher opponent and, and he's an astronaut. And man, he nuked me with like 30 or 40 million dollars. Right. And and, uh, you know, we, we thought about suing and, and was this you know, was this the right thing to do? And ultimately, with all our analysis, like, no, it wasn't, because as messed up as this election in Maricopa was, you can't make up 125,000 votes. Like, I don't think I won the election right now. Right, I, have to, right, I have to have enough integrity to say that. I can't sell false hope to my people. Like I said, Abe Hamaday, 500 votes. This stuff in Maricopa County absolutely 
swung 500 I, votes. Now, Carrie has the interesting in between, right? 17,000. And they guess that's that's what her trial was. And she's trying to prove that but for this incompetence, called incompetence at best, malfeasance at worst, but for this incompetence, I would have won 17,000 votes. We'll see. Let, um, let's 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 uh, hammer that one down. Let's say that Carrie Lake's initial argument was, I understand that it was one big misunderstanding by everybody. Nobody intended to do this improperly. But clearly we can see that the vote margin could be different if not for all these tabulators being wrong. The law could not remedy that. That's the, right. The, the yeah. law requires intent. It requires intent and it's not could be different. It's, it was different. It would have been different. And that's that's a really hard bar. It's a really hard bar. Oh, so, that's, that's insane. That, that, that's not real governance. Real governance is saying, okay, what do we know? And let's apply remedy on the facts. They're saying, regardless of the facts, there's a high standard that must be met. Meaning they could, the system in place right now would actually put a person in power who didn't win, I'm saying hypothetically, just because the standard is too high to, 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 to change it. I think it's insane because if I were to do something like destroy someone's property, but I didn't do it to hurt them, that wasn't my intention. My intention was just like, Oh, I didn't have an intention. I just actually destroyed your house, but I didn't intend to, to hurt you. No crime. Yeah. Apparently when it comes to the, you apply that to the political landscape, it's not a crime. That makes no sense. I mean, intention well, is irrelevant when you're in, talking about somewhat. disrupting and destroying things. Well, like if, if you I kill mean, someone, you're right. Somewhat, somewhat. If, if, if somebody dies and has no intent, it's manslaughter. It's like if, if you're reckless or whatever, if you intend to do it now, it's murder. But it's still a crime. It is still a crime. So it, it, potentially you could be driving in your car and you could hit somebody and it could be totally accidental and you don't go to jail for it. So the difference here is that person still lost their life. We still acknowledge they lost your, that their life. You may be still held uh, liable civilly. We're talking about an end process where one person will be the executive in government, in government, meaning there is a very simple remedy. If we can see that something lacks integrity in the election, we hold a new election because we're trying to get the will of the people done right. And Carrie Lake's opponent, Katie Hobbs, was, what was her, Secretary of State of Arizona during the election, her own election? Which I think even California has a law that bans that, right? You shouldn't be able to oversee an election that you yourself are running in. That's just, even, even if you didn't do anything wrong, that's just the appearance of impropriety, which is corrosive to our politics. So obviously Katie Hobbs never should have been allowed to be Secretary of State and preside over this election. The, the, well, obviously. The, the Republicans should have spoken out more about Brian Kemp in Georgia for a similar reason. Well, it's also important to note that I think the Republicans were very divided this upcoming midterm election. We saw a lot of money uh, that was sent in many different places. And I think very surprisingly, it was a lot of Democratic super PACs that were supporting a lot of the Trump backed candidates. Uh, but uh, there's also an article here by uh, Political that's describing how Trump was splitting donations with you, Blake, 99 to 1. W was that the truth? Because you were well overspent uh, because your opponent spent way more money than you. Can, can you just quickly tell us how much your opponent spent and how much you spent on, on this upcoming midterm election? Yes. And where was their, their resistance? Because it seemed like a lot of old Republicans didn't want to give you money. I have to correct that a little. It's a misleading headline. Got it. Um, it's true in so far as it goes, but actually, you know, on that list share, President Trump was was sending out emails saying, hey, "Donate to Blake on my behalf." We were getting those emails. It was helping me grow my email list. So the benefit wasn't financial in the immediate term so much as that long-term list building. Right? He rarely does that for candidates, so it was actually a big net benefit to me. The press sees that and they're like, "Oh, Trump is screwing Blake." No, that wasn't so, true. So when all. someone donated a hundred dollars, you got he got ninety-nine. You got a dollar, but you also got the emails from that. Yep. Okay. But but and he, that's a that's a common that's a common practice. But the media was just looking to be unfair to Trump on that. But so are you saying that the emails he was sending out was intended to fundraise for himself, but he included you on it? 
or was it intended to fundraise for you and you took the lion's share, but it still benefited you? More the former. More the former. And you'd have to look at the exact email copy or whatever, but like it was a common practice and they seize on it, right? And then, yeah. so it's like, is that headline accurate? Technically, but it's misleading by by lack of context. The journalists pounced. Um, they pounced. <laughs> but uh, but, you, but the, your, your opponent over like, spent so much true. more money than you did. Oh man, a lot. I, so I, I, I worked my tail off, right? And I raised uh, 10 million bucks, which is hard to do when the limits are $5,800. So we're raising money, you know, phone calls, a couple hundred bucks at a time, a couple thousand bucks at a time, adds up to 10 million. Uh, Mark Kelly raised about 70 million hard wow. dollars. So it was about seven to one. That's on the hard dollar side. And that's the... You and know, a lot of it came from McConnell and the GOP establishment, I'd imagine, huh? I'm, I'm half kidding, by the way. I, I don't think <laughs> they definitely didn't help me, but but, right. but they, you know, they sat out. They didn't it, help. What, what's your response to the story of Democratic super PACs financing a lot of the more populist candidates, a lot of the more Trump-backed candidates this midterm election? Because this was one of their strategies, and some people are saying it actually worked in their favor. And there was major Democratic organizations donating to those specific individuals. Yeah, I'm not sure that happened in Arizona. You know, um, people thought. People thought that was happening. I, I've heard that alleged. I haven't really seen it with my own eyes. We we saw it, I think, in Maryland and in New Hampshire, New Hampshire. as well. Um, and it yeah. and it was like explicit and overt, just because they wanted to run against Baldock or something. They yeah they, exactly yep. They thought it would be an easier uh, it would be easier to get moderates if they pushed someone that was you know more conservative or further right. What uh what'd you spend the ten million on? Is that public? Uh, I think it's public. Yeah, mostly. Um, I mean, mostly. You know, TV staff. Obviously, you got to cover your costs, and and uh, mostly we had volunteer door knockers, and it was a grassroots lean operation. But uh, but staff, and then mostly TV and advertising. Right, TV, radio, digital. You got to get the message out. Did you advertise on social media? Mm hmm. Yeah. What, we, what did Mark spend seventy million on? Same stuff. TV. He nuked. Yeah, I mean, just so August and September. As soon as I won the primary, I won the primary August second. Win by twelve points. Wasn't particularly close. Wow. August third. The Democrat spigot just turns on, right? And everybody is, every third commercial is just, Blake Masters is a monster. Mark Kelly is this great guy. Blake Masters is a monster. Where it shows you in black and white and the music. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. All these. But, you know, I know we're tempted to think like this stuff doesn't work. This stuff doesn't work, right? People can see through it. And it's like, well, if if you you go four months uh, and and you deploy like $50 million against somebody telling people that they're a monster, they might actually believe it on the margin, right? Which You know what I want to do? We were unable to overcome. I would love to run a commercial. Like, it's too late now, but maybe I'll consider this in the future where it's just like one of those campaign ads where it's black and white, and it'll be like, Mark Kelly went to outer space. How do we know an alien didn't replace him? Was and then, like, did Blake, he go to Blake space? Masters is a good is a is a Boy Scout who helps a church. And then it that's you know. basically the formula, and it's <laughs> know, cut and right? paste, and you do that enough, and uh, yeah, and, and the ballot harvesting, right? If you if you and, that, and then they go together, right? Because I think people who are really paying attention, people who have a a, a political opinion, they're not going to be. I think sold by those ads, but if if someone just has in their subconscious while they're trying to watch some entertainment, right? Blake Masters is this horrible guy because I've seen it thirty six times in the last two weeks. And then someone knocks on the door and says, "Hey, have you filled out that ballot yet?" No, I haven't. I might not. Oh no, hey, have you heard Blake? And all of a sudden, there's a there's a vote in the yep. system by a low propensity voter. I, so I just want to ask you, just advertising w- is quite effective. I just want to ask you one question, just going along with this conversation. What did you learn from this election, and what would you be doing differently if you could go back and change anything? Going back, I think we'd have to focus uh, more on on early voting, right? Harvesting is technically illegal, but there's nothing illegal about tracking ballots and actually raising money to go. Uh, it's a, almost a bigger project than one campaign could do, but certainly as a party, we need to get better at understanding. We got to be uh, banking votes early. I think Carrie Lake and I, you know, we we were working hard. We we would fill 
gymnasiums, 500 people, 1,000 people, night after night. We were uh, winning hearts and minds. We had the enthusiasm. We had we were look, we were chasing votes, and the Dems had turned it into a mathematical ballot chasing operation. And it's invested all it is now. very very early. And you know, as soon as voting opened up in October, I think they were able to open up a lead. And so we got to get much more quantitative and mathematical about it early on. So uh, our uh, reporter Shane Cashman. He's, act, he's, he's covering the, the Carrie Lake trial right now very heavily. He had to sit down with Carrie Lake, but he also got to sit down with Ye, uh, Kanye West, who to, and he told me, he's like, hey, man, Ye's taking ballot harvesting really, really seriously. And I was like, that's, what, that's the one thing I told him. And I told him uh, before the show started, he asked me, how do I become president? I was like, I, he asked me three times, and he kept getting mad that I wasn't answering him. And I was like, because I'm not a political consultant, but I was like, okay, fine, uh, ballot harvesting. And he was like, what's that? And I was like, knock on doors, tell people to fill out the ballot. Have someone fill out the form to properly return the ballot for them. Then it doesn't matter what message you have. You don't need to go to anybody and say, here's what I'm going to do. All that matters is you knock on their door and say, just fill it out. Who cares? And they'll do it. And I'm like, especially if you're if you're Kanye West, you're not going to say Trump, Biden, Kanye West. People are going to say Kanye West, celebrity. So some states ballot harvesting is legal. Some it's not. In 39 states, it's legal. And it's not in Arizona. It's it not technically. It's it's illegal in Arizona. But here's how here's here's what is legal. Right. You can if you have 15 million bucks and the Dems do this and Republicans didn't. Right. To our great detriment. But if you have 15 million bucks, you hire a thousand people. You assign each person. Here's 500 ballots. Right. People, their names. And you can go to their door and knock, hey, have you voted? We know you got a mail-in ballot. And that person probably wouldn't have turned it in, but you can just keep bothering them, keep showing up, be polite, but show up at the door. Hey, have you voted? No. Hey, you want me to stop coming to your door? Vote right now. Open but, it up. Let me walk you to your mailbox. That's legal. Right. What you can't do and is then, just collect and, and, it physically and then turn it in. And so, th so this is every state. In 39 states, you can actually knock on the door, but I'll take it for you. There's just, uh, in, I think it's 12 states have certain stipulations, like you have to sign a form as a, as a caregiver or mm -hmm. something. But there are many states where you're allowed to knock on the door and be like, I'll take that right for you to the mailbox. And then you end up seeing people coming in and dropping off tons of ballots. But, but I, I'll simplify it for you. Someone knocks on the door in a city and they say, hey, I see you got your mail-in ballot. And they go, yeah. And he goes, why don't you fill it out? And they go, <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com now and save 40% site-wide. 40% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. All right, I guess. So who am I voting for? Just, just Democrat. Okay. And then what do I do now? Just drop it back in the mailbox right there at the front of your door and the mailman will come take it. And they go, okay. You're allowed to tell them to vote Democrat? Mm -hmm. These people are not politicians who are going to knock on your door. These are, these are activist nonprofits who are just being like, as a regular old person, here's what you should do. That sounds like the government telling Twitter to censor for them. Like if just because they're not politicians, mm -hmm. they're hired by politicians to do I, it. I, I, dis I disagree. Look, if I'm a regular person and I, I knock on someone's door and say, I want you to vote for Blake Masters that's just me as an individual. But if you've been hired by the master's campaign to do it, that, it's different. That, that's very, very different. But these are nonprofits. These are not, these are not the candidates uh, necessarily doing it to a certain degree. They probably do it to the legal extent they can. But what ends up happening is I think, I think one thing I want to stress is that a lot of Republicans didn't understand how Biden could have gotten so many votes. They didn't understand this going into 2022 even. And so we end up seeing what should have been a red wave come, come in substantially less 
But it's not so much that the votes didn't come in. It's that Democrats got a ton of votes through ballot harvesting and grassroots efforts, which is totally above board and legal, except because of universal mail-in voting laws and because of absentee voter lists, which persist after the first time you sign up. It makes it extremely easy for urban centers to get out the vote and very difficult for rural voters. You were mentioning that the rural vote didn't turn out. Is that what happened? Not, not how we needed it to in Arizona. Yeah. So think about you driving out to a rural area where every house is a football field away from each other. You knock on the door, you wait a few minutes, then you get in your car, you drive down the football field, you park, you get out, you knock on the door, you wait a few minutes, someone answers, they say, sorry, I'm not interested, you get in your car. In, in a major urban center where you've got one big housing unit with 100 apartments, you knock on the door, no answer, you turn around physically and knock on a door and you get an answer. A major advantage to Democrats because they tend to be uh, living in urban areas. Like you could argue it's like 1,300% more effective or like 1,700% more effective because the amount of time it takes in a, in a apartment complex to go to like 190 people, you, it takes you, you probably get to like seven houses in the country or like nine, 12 houses in the country. Which exactly. Like a 14 to one ratio. That's a lot of time. And gas money. Uh, Man. And, you know, we got to be self-critical. Some of this was self-inflicted, like Republicans, you know, we're we're very into voting in person on Election Day this cycle. Right. The good old fashioned way. And like, I'm sympathetic to that. I, I, I think you know more people should vote on Election Day. Like that's that seems like a good thing to do. Right. This this crazy extension of mail in uh, <laughs> voting in, that we saw in covid. So, you know, and, and what what's the left wing wish list is just automatic voter registration. Uh, let's mail a ballot to everybody. You 16 know. year old voters, P pretty 16 year old voters. Pretty soon they'll say, like, well, let's just presume that you voted the same way that you did last time and that you have to opt out. You know, I mean, that look for that to be on the, the discourse in the next five years. But as long as we have this mail in voting regime, we need to we need to use it. Let me, we let can't me, just, let me, let we me. can't just say, hey, don't don't let the Dems bank votes and then we'll all show up on election day. Well, on election day, the printers might not work. Right. Gotta, and you can't leave yourself in this vulnerable position. I got to ask you the tough question, tough question for me. When I hear that you did not get support from the from the Republican establishment, I can't say I'm surprised it's the establishment, but uh, they're not giving you the support. Meanwhile, the Democrats are, are giving all of their support to Mark Kelly. That plays a role in your defeat, does it not? Oh, huge. Absolutely huge. So my question then is, when they say we got to get Kevin McCarthy to Speaker of the House, and, you know, look, I got I to mess. I'm not a Republican, not a big fan of the Republican Party, uh, more like, honestly, left libertarian, but I feel like the modern left is a weird cult. So I'm looking for whatever I can get tends to be more so libertarian or Republican. Then they come out, even Marjorie Taylor Greene, who I like, says support Kevin McCarthy. And I'm like, first of all, I'm not in Congress. I know they're going to vote on it. But I'll tell you this. I actively oppose these people maintaining their positions as Republican leadership. When you look as your, your campaign as the as the best example, they could have done more at the very least. They could have done anything to support you. They don't. In my opinion, I think they actively are working against candidates like you and others. And then they think I'm going to walk up as someone who's never been a traditional Republican and throw my weight behind establishment candidates for their. No, I, I'd rather look uh, simply put, if Hakeem Jeffries wins as Speaker of the House because, you know, a lot of uh, the Republicans in the House, the Freedom Caucus or otherwise don't want to support the establishment. I don't care. I view it as all very much the same. I don't know what your thoughts are, but that's where I'm at. I care. I think Hakeem would be way worse than McCarthy, but I think we need new leadership. I agree. I think both those are true. I and, I, and I understand where you're coming from. I'm, no, yeah, I'm right I, there, but. I, I do think he'd be worse, but I just kind of feel like unless there's a reckoning for the Republican establishment 
and there's a clean, you know what, fine. Let Hakeem Jeffries be speaker if it means the current iteration of the GOP establishment disappears or is gutted. And then there's a backlash among the donors and everybody says this was a huge mistake. Right now, the problem is they're saying the mistake is to support you. The mistake was to support Carrie Lake when it's actually the inverse. The mistake is to support people like McCarthy. And if we all do, it'll be the same garbage all over again. 2024 will come around. They'll flub everything. If Hakeem Jeffries does win, because a lot of people like me just say, I don't care about those people. Maybe then the donor class, maybe then a lot of the, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot more establishment Republicans might be like, OK, we don't we, we were gutted and we don't exist as a reckoning for their failures. Look, I want the reckoning, too, but but it might not happen. Right. Maybe Hakeem becomes speaker and then the establishment and the GOP side doesn't fade away. And then you have the worst of all worlds. Right. And yeah, so it's, it's just, the age old thing in politics. What's the lesser of, of, of two evils? Or if you if you if you do that, don't you just I, get but, evil? But that's the situation. I, the lesser of two evils know, that, that brought work. us into our current political landscape that's where right. we have a duopoly. We have one party, not two parties that are essentially uh, ruling together on a lot of the same issues that don't represent the people. The that's populist right. movement, uh, the, the people that used to represent the people were people like uh, Bernie Sanders, were people like Donald Trump. And they have foregone a lot of their policies that would have helped people. Donald Trump right now is endorsing the. McCarthy. I think that's that's absolutely crazy that he's doing so, especially with what happened with the, the elections recently. Um, how do you rectify all of this? And it, 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 for you, what would be the solution here? How can we move forward in a way that's more concise, in a way that's actually more reasonable, in a way that actually does represent and help solve some of the people's problems? I mean, I think my best answer is to just stay in the fight. You know, I don't know whether that means, you know, run for Senate again or run for Congress or figure out a different way to be involved. Um, but I don't I don't have a, a one sentence answer. We just have to keep at it. You know, a lot of people in Arizona after after the election was certified said, well, we should have just run boring, safe Republicans instead of Blake and instead of Kerry. And it's like, well, I, 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 I got to tell I, you, that wouldn't that wouldn't work. But but even if even if they would have won, it's like boring and safe Republicans is is sort of what's delivered us to this moment today. And the public is very disenchanted with that politics as usual, the uniparty, it doesn't work. And so we have to figure out a way forward. I think that way forward is this kind of uh, somewhat populist America first, you know, policy platform. We just have to figure out a way to articulate it that that is going to win us elections. We, we had Milo Yiannopoulos on the show just after the midterm. And he explained to us Trump supporters wanted revenge. The reason why they were upset, even though they did win, you know, winning the House, it's because they want revenge. They want to, to, to feel that there's hope. They want to see a decisive victory. I'm going to be I'm going to be completely honest with you as to how I feel right now. When, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene put out that Twitter thread supporting Kevin McCarthy for speaker, she made a lot of really, really excellent points that were very convincing to me that uh, Kevin McCarthy's made some promises that there's going to be investigations. They're going to look into the southern border. They're going to look into uh, the Twitter files. He actually came out in opposition to the omnibus. Things that are all really, really great. But while I can reconcile that logically in my mind, I think long term, I don't trust this man. I don't trust the establishment. I believe they backstabbed the America First candidates. And, you know, I, I got to be completely honest. I kind of want emotional satisfaction. I want revenge. That doesn't mean uh, I'm willing to give in to illogical thought processes. I understand your point on, hey, Kevin McCarthy's he's offering us this stuff. It's better than Hakeem Jeffries. But part of me is just like, no, I, I, I think at the very least there needs to be some kind of effort among uh, whatever this 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 faction is of more libertarian minded individuals that they cannot play this game anymore. So you know what? If that means Hakeem Jeffries gets beer at the house, honestly, I don't care.
I don't. I'm I'm so sick and tired of it's it's it going on, man. Since I got into politics, watching lie after lie, failure after failure. I certainly understand how Luke's feeling with like just give it to the government, just wash it all away. I'm at the point where it's like, well, you know, maybe Luke's right, but I'll take let the establishment lose what little opportunity they had for some power. And then we can all laugh in Kevin McCarthy's face and the Republican establishment. And then we can laugh McConnell out of office and say, you know what? We may not have gotten the power we want, but we weren't going to get it anyway. Maybe this is just the reckoning they need. And then they need us. And I'll tell you, I I feel really angry because I feel like they really need me. I am not a Republican. I don't like Republicans, but I ended up voting Republican in 20 in the past. I ended up supporting a lot of Republicans, not just voting, putting out having a shows. And then all they do is that I feel like they backstab people like you. They backstab people like uh, Carrie Lake. The media lies about what they're doing. And I'm like, fine. I want them now to lose. They do not deserve power. If the Republicans would stand up to Democrats like they stand up against their fellow Republicans, the political landscape would be totally different and they would be at odds. But at the the end of the day, that's not what's happening here. So how do we rectify this? How do we fix this? What what do you think about voting online in addition to current laws with like a blockchain reference as backup? In theory, it works in practice uh, terrifies me, right? No, I want as little technology involved as voting as possible. I think it's crazy that we have, you know, tabulation machines uh, where the code is closed source. Like you can't actually tell what's going on, right? Like if you have it, it should be open source, but maybe you don't even need it at all, right? Like why not get back to precinct level voting? The only technology that I really want is high definition video cameras trained on manual hands, you know, reporting ballots uh, and results at the precinct level. You think it's upload super- that video online and let the internet have at it, right? Like we want more transparency and less sort of closed source technology. Are you concerned about like an open an open internet voting is because it could get hacked? I just think you probably can't get there all at once, and the intermediate steps would be uh, extremely insecure. Ian's for uh, microchip uh, voting, by the way. Uh, just I prefer to, graphene Just to clear tattoos. the record here. Let's be clear. Uh, th- there you go. That works as well. But, <laughs> but, but I wanted to ask you, is it time for a new party? Because it, it does seem like the, the larger populist ideas, standing up for the American people, standing up for the American middle class, standing up against the people who committed the Jeffrey Epstein saga, th- there, there's a huge portion of those people on the left and right. There's also a huge portion of people that don't vote in the United States. Is it time? time to move away and and have a political realignment here. Is that possible? A lot of people are saying that this could possibly happen on the Democratic side. A lot of people are saying this could happen on the Republican side. Is that feasible from your expertise in politics? Uh, Is it feasible? No. Is it time for it? Yes, I'd say it's long past time for it. Right? We were never supposed to have this two-party system. It's like literally not the government that, that our framers ever set up or, or really envisioned. I guess they didn't envision it. They feared it and they, they warned us about it. Um, but I think the, the Republican Party and the Democratic Party are probably too established to... Um, to change it. And maybe it, it changes over time, but and it definitely right seems like the, there's a there's a civil war within the Republican Party, within the with old rhinos and the anti-establishment. But then there looks like there might be another civil war within just the anti-establishment alone with DeSantis versus Donald Trump, with Donald Trump attacking DeSantis recently. So it's like a civil war within a civil war. This doesn't look good a, and doesn't look promising, mess. especially with the public with the Republicans not having a lot of institutional power to change anything when it comes to ballot harvesting, when it comes to mail-in ballots. For me personally, this is my assessment. I don't know if you think I'm too pessimistic or too black-pilled here, but I don't see the Republicans winning anytime soon in, in many years to come. I'd say the saving grace is the Democrats really are that bad, and they're going to... They're horrible. They're going to get worse. And so if we... I, I don't know, maybe we... You know, I think we can do it by 2024. We certainly have a lot of work to do. I still think the Republican Party is the right vehicle. If you care about peace, if you care about prosperity and individual freedom and all the things we care about, uh, I I do think the Republican Party is the vehicle to salvage. It's the most popular... uh, 
possible potential. Otherwise, you got to create something new. And how much capital would that? Take? I, but I, mean, I, that I, I don't really think just about capital. Possible. I don't think there's a way into yeah. political power. You know, at least right now or in the immediate future, unless you're going through the Democrats or the Republicans. I disagree. I think the internet video is super powerful because right now, if we ask people that subscribe to TimCast.com, for instance, to vote for you or to, to fund you in a campaign, you'd get massive worldwide publicity and money. And I, I I think that if if I were to run for office and did a show where to my audience I said vote for me, I would get substantially less votes than you think, because a lot of people might like watching the show or might like me personally, but they're going to say. Oh, but come on, he's not going to win. And, well, and then, and then what's, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, I'd rather vote for someone who's got a better chance. So I can and Ian, who, who dominates the online space, right? Who dominates you TikTok? Do, Luke. Who dominates, who dominates Facebook, right? Who, who, who the dominates FBI. the people who, that own them? The FBI. And who's the FBI backing <laughs> right now at this particular time? The, the Democrats. But I'm picking the, back the, the leftists and also the establishment candidates. So of, whoever plays ball in Washington, D.C. gets an unfair advantage on big tech social media. It's, that's a reckoning that we can't underestimate because it has a huge effect on what America thinks, not just on how they vote. So until there's a larger reckoning here, I mean, Twitter is one social media that Elon Musk is putting everything behind, risking everything, essentially exposing the deep state for all the horrible things that they've been doing. But that's one element of it. Will we have even congressional hearings that lead up to anything? Because because of this? Well, I hope so, but let, let, I, I kind of doubt I'm it. I'm going to pull up this story here from, uh, we have this story from Daily Mail. This one's big. Spooks infiltrate Silicon Valley. Facebook is riddled with ex-CIA agents, including President's Briefer, who now runs Harmful Content Team. So many ex-FBI work at Twitter. They have a Slack channel, and Google is rife with ex-CIA. So, uh, there you go. The intelligence agencies run tech, the technology sector. Uh, I, I guess I'll throw it to you, uh, Blake, having been involved in the tech sector. What do you see with this? Have, have you personally witnessed anything like this or what are your thoughts? I, we have personally witnessed like Google coming down and, and being unfair, right? So when we were trying to build a small dollar fundraising email operation, we would find a disproportionate amount of our fundraising emails would get sent to spam and Gmail. Well, it's like, that doesn't happen to the Democrats, right? And it's yep. not just anecdotal, like we've seen the data on this with, with many different conservative uh, candidates. So it's uh, it's just banal at this point to say that big tech has its thumb on the scale. Like, yeah, big tech hates conservatives, and we know that. But, what what really got me was, uh, you know, the, the media, and Carrie and I were running against the media, of course, and, and they called me an election denier for just talking about how, you know, the Hunter Biden censorship like, I think that did more than almost anything else to, to yeah. put Joe Biden in the White House. Oh, well, Blake's denying the 2020 election. And then for Elon to go buy Twitter and now subsequent to this 2022 election, of course, but into the Twitter files. And now it's like the sordid details are out there. It is just demonstrable fact that people at Twitter were censoring this information with the sole goal of helping Joe Biden win office. This is just not a conspiracy theory anymore. It's just true. Former FBI in Twitter and current FBI yeah, outside Baker of Twitter. And yeah, I mean... So it's really bad, and we need to disentangle it and, <laughs> and, and, and look at how hard the media is going after Elon. Um, Elizabeth Warren is going after Elon, right? Deep state. To the extent you yeah, think she this, this article by uh, the Daily Mail is worth reading because what you see is agent after agent after agent after agent after agent. And, and you see in the named and you see them in, in so many positions of power. But those are the ones that we know about. What about the ones that are undercover? What about the ones that we don't know about? What about the ones that are compromised at high level positions of power? So there's multiple layers to this, not just overt agents and spies working inside of these big tech social media companies. There's a different layer to this that, again, not only shapes their companies, but shapes the minds of America. And, and I could make the argument here throughout the last few years, overall, 
Social media has been a net negative for the American people. It has led to a mental health crisis. It has led to a lot of debauchery. It has led to the destruction of the family unit. It is leading towards what I believe is the Great Reset, which is essentially just this kind of larger ideas, this larger agenda that is absolutely screwing you over and only empowering the government. So um, they're using it. It's a psyop. It's a psychological operation. And you are the target and you are the victim. Well, but but, if if you could say social media is a net negative in 50 out of 100 was neutral. Anything below that becomes negative. How negative do you see it? Social uh, media. 12%. Wow. You, so you think yeah. it's horrible. I mean, that's really, really a bad 25%. Thing. I I'd well, say 75, 25, 75 bad, 25 good. You think it's there's bad? Some, there's I some good that too. comes with it, but I, it's pretty, I, pretty bad. I somewhat disagree. I think it's actually slightly uh, more good than bad. And that's evidenced by before social media, the intelligence agencies controlled media as it was. I mean, you saw that in the Church Commission, right? That the, the planting of journalists at high-ranking positions in media organizations. With, with the internet, it created cracks. And then channels like this start to pour through. Other, other creators, people like Steven Crowder, start to pour through. They can't control every person who posts, though they try. So there is a net positive, in my opinion. It is better than it was before. But overall, when we look at the larger effects, and, and again, my, my estimate, again, uh, to, to answer your question, 12 to about 25%. Overall, when we look at how people are affected, especially how children are affected by this, when you, when you see um, the mental health negative effects, when you see women harming themselves because it's trendy, when you see uh, just the level of less interactions that people are having, the overall effect, not just politically, but socially, financially, economically, I think the overall negative, uh, it, it's a negative effect, to be honest with you. Politically, well, there are more voices that, that, are, that people are able to hear, but they're squashing on those independent voices and, and making sure that they well, reach less and less people. When I think this will be reversed, everything you're saying, as soon as Blake becomes CEO of Twitter, then we're going to see such a massive net positive that the world becomes an instant better. That's funny, better although I was just going to say this is dynamic, too. Wherever you thought it was 75, 25, 50, 50 right now, it's dynamic. And I, I suspect in 20 or 30 years, we'll know. Will this Internet and social media experience be net, uh, you know, liberatory? Will, will more people be free and happy because of it? Or will we be living in something like a techno uh, dystopia surveillance state? I mean, look what's weird. happened to the children. Look, look, look at modern day children. Look at look at attention deficit, deficit disorder. Identity look, disorders. Identity disorder. Look at the use of online adult content by children. Look, look at those effects that will be with children rewiring their brains right now as we're speaking to, to have instant gratification right to have their their trophies to have uh, just just glamorizing them living for the world the living for the likes rather than living for their communities living for their families living for a, a future they rather have this kind of uh, you know selfie image of themselves glorifying themselves rather than having an importance on anything else around them and let's talk about 30 or 40 years uh, Blake what do you think about Neuralink are you taking the chip I'm, I'm not taking the chip I'm pretty skeptical I'm pretty skeptical. skeptical I like Elon as a not. I mm, just seems like uh, seems like a seems like a road you don't want to go down. Like, <laughs> it's a like bad hackable, idea. like your brain will get hacked. Yeah, for instance, <laughs> just one bad thing, I guess. If, if you're well, CEO, if, if you've uh, uh, you ever, you ever, have you heard of Ghost in the Shell? Yeah. So uh, in this anime, people's brains or eyes can be hacked. You could be walking down the street, and then all of a sudden you go blind. So when when Elon seems t- bad, right? Is bad. When Elon talks about how Neuralink could cure people who have like paralysis or whatever, what people don't seem to understand is that all systems are exploitable. And this could mean as well that they could do bad things to you. It's not just about the things it could fix, it's about the things that it could hurt. 
they could make you feel like depending on the sophistication of a Neuralink chip in your brain, if it can cure depression, it could make you depressed. So you, you, you think about how bad it could get. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. It gets scary bad. Yeah, I mean, look at the number of children having, uh, you know, a gender dysphoria. That's been going up as well. That number is only going to be going up from here. What if it could help people feel good about who they are? That's, it could. And it could it could do really horrifying things yeah. where they put you in a prison camp, tell you to execute the innocent children, and then you're like, I can't do it. Then they click a button on their iPad and you go, ooh, this feels really good. You know, I yeah. think like social media is not bad or but, good, but it, it's powerful. But, and but, if it's used for evil, that's powerful evil. And the, the neural link's like an ex- acceleration of that yeah, neutrality. You, Ian, you shouldn't be chasing what, what feels good. You, you're you right. should be chasing... Uh, you know, hard work, dedication, building something, growing something, sacrificing uh, something in order to to have something outside of yourself. A, a lot of problems with our society comes down to I need instant gratification. I need instant uh, likes. I need instant attention right now. That's the root to a lot of our problems. But like I, I, some I people are in physical it. pain. And, and that's the psychological people. trick that they play on us in order to have us engaged in these kind of larger uh, black mirror devices. I got I got to give a shout out to uh, to Andrew Tate. That's that's the guy, right? Andrew Tate. Yeah, yeah. Cobra Tate. Cobra Tate. He's got a video where he said, "I just saw this viral clip." He's like, "My happiness is irrelevant. When I wake up, whether or not I'm happy or not happy doesn't matter. I have to do the exact same thing." And I'm like, "Yeah, he's absolutely right, dude. He's so humble. He he comes off so aggressive and like, um, like I guess hubristic. He even says that about himself. But he was just doing an interview where he was like, "Dude, I've been a pawn on the game for so many years. My coach would say, run, I would run.'" I would do exactly what I was told for years of my life. Up at 4 a.m., run seven miles, I run seven miles. I, don't, I do exactly what my dad tells me. Now he's in a position where he can be himself and he is the king in so, his, of his environment. I want, just to, to bring it back to the conversation we were having, his point is that your happiness doesn't matter. You have responsibilities. And so with the internet, instant gratification, with things like Neuralink that can make you feel better, these are shortcuts that ultimately, in my opinion, will actually lead to you being miserable. And so if you think about where Neuralink gets you, You've got right now, like the body, the fat acceptance movement, the body positivity stuff. These are people who are suffering. These are people who are more likely to experience cancer and other health defects uh, or health health uh, um, impacts due to their weight being told to accept it and be happy with who they are. But it's causing them damage in the long term. You put a Neuralink chip in someone's brain and then they're unhappy about something. So you click a, you, you, you click the button and then all of a sudden they're happy. They're not going to solve their problem. I'll put it this way. Pain is a good thing. If you can't feel pain, people, people think like, wow, it must be, there, there are people out there who can't experience pain. They can't. And so a lot of people say, you're so lucky. And they go, no, I'm not. I could bite my tongue off. I, I stepped on a nail once and didn't realize it. They can, they can't, many of these people can't sweat because their body can't differentiate between temperature. Not being able to feel pain is a bad thing. We don't like pain. Pain sucks. But it's an important thing that when you feel it, you can correct whatever the problem being caused is. If you can't feel upset anymore because the chip is just correcting the problem, you're going to become lazy. Uh, you're going to have no goals. You're going to be laying around and you're just going to be a fat blob lying on the floor, clicking the button to feel good. Like just those control, rats. Right? It's like Soma and Brave New World or anything. Yep. Yep. Right? Or the, exactly. You know, the 
unwillingness to feel pain, right? People th or the inability to people think that's oh, that's a gift. That's a gift. That's just the Midas touch. Like this is just biblical. Exactly. You know, be careful what you wish for. The Midas touch is he wished that anything he touched would turn to gold. Wouldn't that be nice? Gold, 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 gold. And then you know, like, give your daughter a hug, and then she freezes into a golden statue. Right? Oops. <laughs> yeah. So, turns out it sucks. So, and and <laughs> it it turns out you're the CEO of Twitter. Hypothetically, <laughs> how, how would you make the company go profitable? I think uh, there's a path to doing that medium term and long term. You know, Twitter is the original short form content. And it's really good at it. Now it's sort of being, you know, competed away. Uh, TikTok and, and all. TikTok should immediately be banned, of course, right? And Twitter should bring back Vine. So there's things to do. But I think Twitter needs to fill its feeds with longer form products. Like I think Twitter needs to buy Substack. It should have built Substack. Substack should never be an independent business. Like obviously all these people posting on Twitter should be able to monetize newsletters right from in the platform. And I don't mean just the review feature that they had. It just was, that was kind of bolt on. Wow, you should um, be the CEO. And, and like, okay, so, so video, right? Twitter sucks as a video platform. And yet YouTube has no inherent social sort of viral social network like Twitter does, right? So like, I think, I think YouTube is very lucky that no one at Twitter for the past five years has cared about video. Yeah, yeah I, I think I just want to make another point here because there's a lot of different things that we could we could actually do here. I've been thinking about this as well. One, we have super chats on YouTube. Why can't you have super chats on Twitter? Allow your comments and replies to be voted uh, just like Minds does. Mind does does an incredible things. What is it called, Ian? Super, super Minds. Yeah. People are able to uh, put in a, a super chat. If you answer it, you get that money that that people were were giving to you. That's a great thing that Minds developed. Another thing that I would recommend. Twitter to do is to essentially allow the platform to run on its own without any kind of major money. Decentralize it. Let people host their own servers. Let people use the platform in their own way so then even if you don't have any money, the platform still lives on and people get to host their content and get to communicate with people and also be able to share their content elsewhere and move it uh, around with their history of what they posted. I think those two ideas along with your idea would be amazing. Videos, long overdue. Monetize those videos. Have people, I mean, when we had Periscope on YouTube. This was, I'm sorry, a Periscope on Twitter. This was a way that engaged so many different people. And then Twitter took it down because people were dominating it that they didn't like in the political ideas. So, so, so uh, these are just some ideas that I have off, off the top of my head that so, I think so Elon should listen CEO. to. Some hey, people, sounds good. Some people recommended like that. You take it. I don't, like I don't want the responsibility to get that hot potato out of here. Um, uh, One problem with videos is the cost of the servers, at least is what I'm told. And it, it is a big deal. And so we tried to decentralize it at, at mines like Bit, BitChute, and, and, but it was so slow and grainy trying to pull it from all these other people. I don't know. Do you know much about decentralizing uh, video feeds? Not technically, although that's probably going to only get better and better, right? And I would look to add things that uh, people want to pay for, right? Like Twitter needs, it's it's woefully dependent on advertising. I'm not saying advertising goes away, but it needs to uh, certainly have new new revenue streams where creators are getting paid for their content. You know what I realized? I'm paying eight bucks a month for Twitter Blue. I am so happy to do that right now. I pay 40 bucks a year or something on Minds to have the uh, upgraded super, uh, Minds. I'm not sure what it's called exactly. Sorry, Bill. Um, Minds Pro. Minds Pro, to be on Minds Pro. And it's like having a Netflix. I don't have a Netflix account. I don't watch Disney. I don't have those accounts. I pay for the social networks that I love. That's where I like to, I would pay 15 bucks a month on Twitter. For sure, for all those benefits to be able to post long videos, to be able to make you a video, like at tag Elon Musk, hey man, what's happening, bro? Um, that that paid, access to the network. DMs, I think Elon talked about. Totally, it's great. It's been it, Twitter's made it really hard over the past few years for people to actually make a business on Twitter. 
Yeah, which is really I, weird. I, I think YouTube's I, done much better in this in this front. Did you see they blocked here's, here's, link sharing recently and kind of backpedaled on it? Link sharing. You, there was like you can't link to your uh, whatever your other, other rival, social media, social media yeah. which is actually YouTube does the same thing. I believe Twitch does the same thing. I believe Facebook Facebook blocked Minds. Do they still block Minds? Dude, Microsoft blocks Minds. It's right. very weird. Yeah, so I don't Elon know Elon announce, announces this uh, this new policy where it's like you can't use Twitter to just promote other platforms, and everyone loses their mind. And it's like YouTube's always had that rule. So like if but, you made but, a video like subscribe to my Twitter account and that was the title of the video, they yeah they'd nuke you. So here's what I'm saying: I think they mentioned paid DMs. I got a lot of people who hate me, and they they'll pay a lot of money to set to say <laughs> nasty <laughs> things to me, and I will take their money. And they can so hundred bucks. I, I will I will set my my paid DMs at a hundred dollars, <laughs> and then all the people who hate me can say all the nasty things in the world, and I will monetize that. And the, and you have to respond. And then Twitter gets a small cut of it. Well, I don't know about responding. Just fill up my mailbox. Well, I mean, like well, if, people could do that now. Right? No, they people. can't DM me. I've closed oh. DMs. Okay. So if they, if he made paid direct messaging, I would say, okay, you want to direct message me, and I don't follow you, hundred bucks, you know, and then you can send me whatever nasty garbage you want. You got to pay me to do it. And then a very you, monetize the hate. But you don't have to read it. You got to read it to get the money. You got to open the email. <laughs> That's what I said. I accept. Right? Yeah. I accept. Yeah. <laughs> I will read the comment of someone saying, you know, Pim Tool is a bald fool or something like that if it's a hundred bucks. So what about totally a, worth a, it? I brought this up before earlier. Like the cr reverse crypto, only fans. Like a crypto token at Twitter. Mines has a Mines token that's a utility token that functions on the network. You can put a token into the network to get a thousand views of publicity. Um, then you can buy the tokens. And uh, but I know like you were saying earlier, like SEC violations you gotta watch out for. Like library got raked for SEC violations. I don't know the exact but no, mine's either. So it, the risk with the FEC is if they don't like your politics, well, hey, that token is a security. And yep. that's just arbitrary? Elizabeth Warren could come up with some justification for why yours is different. But like the justification is she hates you and wants you crushed. Yeah, if all it does is get you publicity on the network that it's sold on um, and then maybe used for fun cosmetic stuff on the network, I just don't see any security involved in that. It's all utility at that point. I think you're right. And but they'll argue it anyway. Yeah, so you got to provide... be on the other side of the FEC uh, enforcement action because I think that could take the company very profitable, or at least at least very, very, very profitable. I mean, obviously, what would happen is the Twitter token would become super valuable and it would become traded on Binance and stuff, and then they might say, "Hey, and then it's a security." Yeah, maybe. Yeah, punished with your own success. But it's interesting though to think how much they could raise if they did that. And yeah. that's that's not even that's just the IPO or the ICO you're talking about initial coin offering that they could raise money for. I think then that might be a security because Mines didn't do an ICO. That's a big part of it. That's right. They just make tokens and then sell them and then you use them on the network there's no there's no uh there's no public investment the investment is you buy the token what do you what do you, what do you think of the future man you feeling optimistic um not by default but i'm not not a doomer either you know i, I really think it's contention it matters what we do and and why wouldn't it like human agency is really important if you're op if you're too optimistic and like oh things will just work out well you're probably not going to work as hard in making that happen. And then if you're just fatalistic, oh man, it sucks. Oh, I just lost my election. That sucks. Everything's doomed. No, somehow that doesn't feel quite right either. It's like, your it's scary, but we got to work hard. Your mindset and positivity does matter when it comes to your overall productivity and what you're able to do in life. But at the same time, you got to be realistic with all the problems. And I totally agree with you. You got to have a balance between between the two and, and have a certain level of, of uh, you know, basis in reality, but also some optimism on top of that. That's you know, right. you know, what gave me a lot, of, a lot of optimism was the judge granting Carrie Lake's uh, trial. I mean, because everything we've seen in the past has been dismissed, dismissed, dismissed. These judges have been weak and just I don't want to deal with it. I'm not saying this judge is going to do the right thing in terms of, well, I, I, I'm not going to say the judge is going to give us what we want. 
But the fact that the trial happened at all, I think, was a major step forward in terms of confidence. So I'm, I'm feeling good. I think the night is always darkest before the dawn. I think what we're seeing with uh, James Lindsay, you know, the things he's calling out and exposing with continued success, his 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 his, his growing prominence, calling out the, the the groomer phenomenon, and I think Elon Musk buying Twitter, it's kind of like it's never been better. To be completely honest, it's true that didn't have to happen. Yeah, and if he didn't do that, we never would have got the Twitter files, right? And I who mean, knows what the coming installments will be. And uh, look, and, I have I have. Tremendous faith in, in the inherent goodness and, I guess, just commonsensical nature of the American people and most people worldwide. And we have a political establishment, I think, left and right that is corrupt and doesn't work. And those things don't go together. So how long is the pendulum? I don't know. Hopefully things don't have to get that much worse before they get better. But I do think, yeah, they'll get better. And, and we've seen I this think, ebb and flow in human history, right? I but we got to work hard to tighten up that. Uh, what's the technical term for the length of a pendulum? I don't know. Whatever it is. Let's make it short. But, but, but the I, diameter. But I, but I think Maybe. it is getting better. Oh, okay. I think I think we're on the the, the backswing. It's starting to come back. I and hope I, so. I think with uh, conservatives starting to uh, recognize the power of ballot harvesting and ballot chasing, I think 2024 is going to be a game changer. It's like it's like you were saying. It's about raw numbers. They're going after the raw numbers. It's not about the messaging for Democrats. It's about the raw numbers. For Republicans, it's going to be both because mm -hmm. Republicans, a lot of the Republican voters are higher information voters than Democrats. That's why Democrats want 16 year old voters. They want low information. Well, Democrats will vote for John Fetterman, <laughs> you know, where some of our voters, God bless them. And we got to work hard to persuade them. Um, but some of them is like, well, I read some bad things about Blake or I saw this TV commercial. You got to go after the vote for that. And it's like, well, I, I appreciate the individuality in our party. And we have a lot more diversity in our party, actually, in terms of diversity of thought. But the Democrats will vote for Fetterman or anything, Iraq. You got it's just got a D next to its name, and that's a challenge that we have to overcome. But but I think the Republicans just need to target those people. Mm -hmm. these, these these people who are low-information voters voting Democrat aren't voting Democrat for any good reason, which means Republicans could win those votes. They just aren't trying. Show up. Exactly. Yeah, we need to show up. What do you think about, like, refocusing a message? I, we've talked about this before, show too, like graphene or some sort of industrialization message of making the United States an industrial well, well, superpower. Well, just, just, to, just a real quick preface that, like, I think the point of the conversation is that messaging is, is immaterial, but again, you know, your thoughts. I think it, I think it matters, though. And, um, you know, while we're working hard to go in, in a legal way, of course, you know, harvest ballots, uh, collect ballots, um, I think interesting messaging does matter. For one, like, why aren't we focusing more on nuclear power? You know, here, I, only, here. I only had so many campaign dollars and we had to talk about border and inflation, and those are the top two, two issues. But, but every, you know, stump speech, I'd try to find a way to work in nuclear power. It's like, this isn't even new technology. It's like old technology that for bizarre reasons, countries like Germany have decommissioned, right? We have about 50 uh, nuclear power plants in the United States, nowhere near enough. Most of them are decades old. And so if you care about climate change, if you care about, you know, carbon free energy generation, why are we not going all in on nuclear? And when I would mention nuclear power, it was actually somewhat of an unexpected applause line in some very right-wing Republican rooms. It's like obviously not going to get rid of oil and gas. We need to be drilling. We need to be fracking. It's like all of the above uh, kind of approach is, is appropriate for the next few decades. But man, 50 years from now, 80% of our power should be generated uh, from, from nukes. At least if the path we're going, we'll probably have new technology like vacuum vibrational things and fusion power, which is, a, they call it nuclear. It's a completely different technology than fission. So you can't really call them both nuclear. It's a misnomer. We've got to lean into innovation. Yeah, is the broader point. It's like we should be agnostic about what it is, but like what it isn't is, you know, some dumb subsidy for some wind thing that is not even going to work. I think what's happening, you remember the tech in Texas two years ago, or was it last year, the, the deep freeze that 
ruined all these these wind power these these windmills or whatever they're called wind generators uh, and we're headed in like four a few days for another deep freeze in Texas I'm told this is terrifying people died people froze to death in their houses because they had shut down coal plants leading up to this and I think that's why people are like yes nuclear yes heat yes because it gets cold if it goes down to 45 degrees in your house there, nothing really matters other than some heat. That's right. I think Repo- I, I think Americans would be here for whether it's a new party, if you could somehow bootstrap that into existence, or a Republican party that was like, hey, we're the party of competence, we're the party of technology, we're the party of families, uh, we're the party of sane trade deals, and and you know the party that doesn't want to get into wars halfway around the world. I think people would be into that. I think it's like a, we need charisma too. Like I used to think I was telling you earlier, like I was like, or I didn't actually mention you were saying you were a Republican when we were younger. I was like a Democrat when I was younger. I like I went after charisma. I was always drawn to like. Bill Clinton, because you funny. like Howard Dean? No, no. Was that the Bill, guy? That Bill, was like, Bill Clinton. Yeah. Fair point. Yeah. yeah, Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton. Barack was, Obama. Was I like the dudes that could make you feel good. And I, it's only later I'm realizing, like, oh, I've been snowed this whole time, man. They were making me feel good to get me to get me to pay my dollar. So, but I do think we need to introduce charisma. But the thing is, like, Luke, you were saying, don't vote for political parties. I don't care about the party. I don't. I thought in 2007 we don't need parties anymore, man. We just need someone that's willing to step up and do the work. You're right, but that. I, I don't think um, takes into consideration the political reality that there are a lot of people who won't vote outside of the two party system out of fear of not winning. And that has a substantial impact. The Libertarian Party does a great job of getting a lot of people of principle to vote for the Libertarian Party, but they, they don't they don't move the needle. What do you think? Did you just do it enough? And then how did Abe Lincoln win? Look, look, the MAGA party is not the same as the Republicans. And that's why there's a Republican civil war, at least what the media calls it. The reason why I think the establishment didn't support you is because you're, you know, Blake, you're more libertarian. You're outside the Republican Party in in a in a uh, literal in, in, a, in a in a intangible sense, like quite literally a Republican. But as far as the establishment Republicans are concerned, the MAGA Republicans are a different party and they're an insurgent group coming in. That's right. And we're going to get an interesting um I guess, case study here, Kirsten Cinema, right? The other Democrat senator from uh, Arizona just announced, I think a week or two ago, she's going to be an independent. Oh, yeah. I think probably because she read the polls and realized with her voting record, it'd be impossible for her to win a Democratic primary. So now she's daring yep. the Democrat establishment to run a Dem against her. I thought that was awesome. Split the race into a three-way race, which I actually think would favor a Republican. So we'll see how it shakes out. But can a independent actually make a real go of it? Right. I mean, Bernie Sanders caucuses with the Democrats, but of course, technically, he's an independent. The Dems she, are sort of okay. He should have forced the Democrats to keep her on as their candidate. When when Cinema said she was an independent, they they immediately knew they could not run anyone else, and they can't primary her. They have no choice but to get behind her. Well, we'll see if they have that kind of discipline. I think Schumer wants the situation you outlined, but this other congressman, Ruben Gallego, sort of communist guy from from Phoenix. He really wants to get in, and I hope he does, right? And, and you know, <laughs> grab the popcorn. Are you gonna um, Are you gonna run again? If Gallego gets in, then that gives me a lot to think about. Because in a three way race, I will win, or I would I would beat Gallego one on one. When would that be? Like four four years or what? Uh, no, no, twenty twenty four. Twenty twenty four. Yeah, wow. cinema's up in twenty twenty four. And so you could, but run the Dems for might. Yeah, but the Dems might actually have enough discipline to keep a keep a Dem out. I think you should run anyway. Hey, there you go. She's okay. tough to beat. She's tough to beat. Mark Kelly was tough to beat, though. Right. And I think, um, you know, some people say, oh, Blake, you lost by five. It's like Oz lost by five in Pennsylvania, and he had a way worse opponent and $30 million from Mitch McConnell, right? I, so I think in a different year um, with a, you know, and look, I made some mistakes, too. Like, I, I didn't run a perfect campaign, and I've been self-critical about that. And next time I do it, I will tell you this. I will be better, and I will win. I, I live in West Virginia. I instantly like cinema more than Mansion. Because she, because she comes out as an independent and Manchin is still playing this ridiculous game of being a Democrat 
in literal MAGA country. What's going to happen there? I feel like he's now he's underwater, right? I think he's going to is he just going to switch? I think he's going to switch to being a Republican. He, he, he was asked and he said, you know, something like, we'll wait till later to talk about it or something like that, which made everyone immediately be like, OK, he's Manchin's going to switch. This is, I think West Virginia is like 86% Trump supporting. Yeah. You know, every and, county, I think, in 2020 oh, yeah, voted for Trump. I, r- absurdly high. You know, I, I, where, where I live in West Virginia, it's right wing nut jobs who, who believe every single conspiracy theory you can think of. I mean, these are people who are Trump, 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 hands down. And then you say Manchin and they go, oh, like he's supposed to be on our side. And it's not even about the name of the party. They feel like he's not representing them properly. Nut job's a term of endearment, by the way. It is, yeah. <laughs> I, like when, when you when you go to West Virginia and you say, "I love living on a mountain full of right wing nut jobs," they all laugh and smile because it's like it's you're taking the word back. You know, I, what mean, I mean, they say if you're sane in an insane world, you're actually you look insane. You look like a nut job. We 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 had we had we had a break in recently. I think it was targeted. But I, I tweeted, I was like, you got to be insane to break into a house in West Virginia, especially if it's like a political thing. And I was like, just imagine breaking into a house and there's some right wing nut job with a Barrett M82 pointed at you yelling, yeehaw. And like all the people out here are, are laughing at the idea because they love it. They love it. They're like, that's us. You know, don't don't come a knocking if you don't want to see what's on the other side. Do you think, Blake, do you think the solution to I don't know what what do you what is your end goal really with the United States or in your lifetime? How would you like to see the United States develop? I think one litmus test for a real or a track is, is politics boring again. Like I think politics should be boring. It shouldn't be what people are investing all their time and emotional energy into. I would like uh, that campaign on the slogan to me. It's more than the slogan, but it is, I think a good political slogan in America. You should be able to raise a family on one single income. I think if we got back to an economy where you could actually do that, maybe it's really hard in a globalizing world. But man, if you could just, uh, if young people had economic opportunity and were, you know, on net choosing to get married and have kids in their 20s and were able to buy and afford homes and people didn't have to be obsessed with politics, right? We weren't at each other's throats all the time. I think that would be really healthy. Do you po- see poli- like- politics is pop culture right now? Yeah, that's that's, really, a that's really messed up. Yeah, it's really messed up. It was up. um, what was his name? Schumer was dancing with Stephen Colbert. Did you see that video? They were unfortunately, I did see that. I'd <laughs> forgotten about it. I did. You said earlier, like it's a it's a worldwide movement. I think you mentioned that earlier. But I sense like worldwide that humans want freedom. They they the First Amendment of the United States Constitution is like one of the most inspirational governmental actions ever taken on Earth. And I feel like we have so many people from Australia that watch the show, and England, and all these great countries that unfortunately get can get arrested for standing outside of someone's house uh and i hope that maybe that there i i kind of see like a united states of earth where we have like state rights still but we just are have like a form of kind of a sort of unified government i don't know if that's too pie so you're sky. a globalist in a way i mean i like i think inevitably we're globalizing i just want it to be done right i want it to be done so that we like, maintain our, our bill of rights like a republic where the united states has sovereign borders where we control our own government but there is some kind of legislative system externally that can't interfere internally with the nation, but can help prevent wars. Or yeah, and like even that. Ohio still has its sovereign borders. And, right. and every state still has its own rights. Like Alberta, for instance, I think there's an Alberta secession movement yep. right now. Alberta becomes a state of the United States of Earth. And then we just keep growing from there. And then everyone lives under the Constitution? Yeah, but the Constitution's malleable. But yes, yeah, I think the Bill of Rights for sure. Maybe, I, I think it's a good idea. Maybe in order to, to get to that point, you know, some people will have to be made to understand. So perhaps we could like put together a group of people with perhaps weapons that could go in and, and tell these people they now live under our way of life. And uh, we, 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 we would call it like a, a liberation 
We would send out liberation forces to other. <laughs> Sounds horribly communist. <laughs> well, this is, this, it all goes back to Woodrow Wilson, right? The League of Nations. And exactly. Now, now it's the UN. And let's just have a, a layer on top that will help it. And it's like, well, the danger is that, you know, that that layer becomes incredibly bureaucratic and powerful and it gets more power for itself. And pretty soon, I think this is where the, the century is trending. If we don't uh, resist it, you get a one world totalitarian government. I like right? the That's, idea of like China wants to build its version and yeah. China wants everyone to be Chinese in 100 years. And uh, we actually, nope, we've never figured out a way to, to do that in a safe way. And I think we should look towards decentralization. Right? Absolutely. Decentralization is the key word here that a lot of people need to focus on more than ever, as there are a lot of American Western elites financing China, setting up policies in the United States that allow China to take over the world, that allow China to gobble up all the resources, that allow them to pollute as much as they can. And then everyone else is supposed to be under these climate regulations, these 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 echo, uh, you know, fascist kind of policies that limit people's ability to have energy that's absolutely it's absolutely crazy what's happening in this ever globalizing world uh but but how is it going to change i i don't know that's that's just a very hard question to ask but i also wanted to kind of talk about peter thiel a little bit because i know uh you, you were closely associated with him i don't know if you, you still are he's kind of a libertarian some people call him more of an internationalist how would you kind of peg his pol political understanding and, and what's kind of his response to everything that's happening right now i mean the new york times calls Peter and me, far-right nationalists, you know, yeah, so it's so like, are you an internationalist? Are you a far-right nationalist? You know, those are kind of incompatible. Are you a libertarian or are you an authoritarian, right? So it's, it's so publicly confused. I think Peter, like me, started very libertarian and, you know, to the extent uh, we play in electoral politics, it's Republican, conservative. Um, but I think, you know, you can't really reduce him to labels like that. Like he's actually kind of an independent thinker. Imagine that, right? You can't just we don't have that now. Well, increasingly, we don't. And that's yeah. really dangerous. And, and one problem in electoral politics that I've seen is, man, you're supposed to really stay on script. And if, you know, and sometimes I didn't and I paid for that, you know, and it was kind of conventionally speaking, it was a mistake. But the problem in modern politics is you're not allowed to be wrong ever, because if yeah. there's two seconds of video where you say something wrong, maybe you're exploring an idea. Right. But if, it, if that's wrong and if it's cuttable and pasteable into a into an attack ad that Mark Kelly and the Democrat machine puts 30 million behind well, that's a problem for you. But you, if you're you, never allowed to be wrong, then you're never allowed to think, which is why so many politicians feel like wind-up dolls, right? right? Robots that just say the say the thing that the consultants wrote, and that's safe. And then, like, what kind of politics does that produce? The kind of politics we've had, and it fails people. It out, outside of uh, the tremendous amount of money he made for the social ramifications, do you think uh, Peter Thiel is, has concerns about funding Facebook or regrets? Business. It's all the things that keep this world turning. And behind every one of these companies is a partner helping to keep it all moving. It's why the local flower shop and your favorite pizza joint, the startup and the stadium, hospitals and hotels, banks and restaurants nationwide, all choose the advanced network, cybersecurity solutions, and round-the-clock trusted partnership from Comcast Business, the company that powers more businesses than anyone else. Comcast Business, powering possibilities. Restrictions apply. Call or visit ComcastBusiness.com to learn more. Or PayPal. Yeah, PayPal especially, Yeah. Come on. Well, I think it is probably really sad to see. I mean, because PayPal, he hasn't been involved in since 2001, I think. Right. 2002, they sold yeah. it to eBay. And to see it become, I mean, A, this extremely profitable business, right? Uh, that's probably nice. But to see it become this woke, horrible, I mean, PayPal's one of the worst. And yep. I know Peter agrees with that. And so that's got to be hard to create this thing. And it's your baby. And then all of a sudden, it's it gets like ruined by... Watching your kid go to college and come back with a shaved head and like pink eyebrows. Telling you how racist and bigoted you right. are, Dad. Spitting on you, <laughs> hating So hating that's got to be horrible. Um, Facebook, I mean, Facebook was a really good investment in 2004. He, you know, he's 
it was a, it was a good investment. And then he he sort of rode the wave and saw it become like this really charismatic company. Two thousand eight, two thousand twelve, Facebook was going to take over the world. Two thousand fourteen, right when we wrote this book about zero to one monopolies, kind of warning people, hey, monopolies can be good. You know, they can also be really really bad. Um, I think Facebook has has been net very destructive for the past five or six years and ultimately peter hopped off the board right so it's this whole life cycle i, I think starting in around 2008 facebook started getting really 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 bad that, it yeah. was it was the the beginning of the algorithmic newsfeed when people started having too many friends and liking too many pages and so the feed was just moving too quickly uh i could be wrong with my understanding is facebook decided to implement an algorithm where it would feed you more of what you they thought you would like to see to keep you on the platform the for echo longer. chamber confirmation bias. Exactly. Yep. Then you see the transformation of the BuzzFeeds, the Huffington Posts. They started adhering and fall and molding themselves to the algorithm. And the best example of this is Mike.com, which when it started was, Ron, was pro Ron Paul, but quickly realized the algorithm favored wokeness. Mm. And it's, for, it's, it's a really, really simple uh, mathematical equation, right? In the beginning of the internet, or I haven't said the beginning, but in, in, the, in the late 2000s, early 2010s, the Ron Paul revolution was in full swing. It was, it was a meme. It was viral. People believed in it. The algorithm starts becoming more prominent. And what happens is rage-inducing content gets more clicks and gets more shares. So police brutality videos start going viral. This contributes to a lot of the libertarian thinking. But then something happens. If you make a video about racism, it goes viral. You make a video about police brutality, it goes viral. So that's, uh, you know, X views and Y views. But you make a racist police brutality video. Now it's X, Y views. It is multiplied. It is bigger. All of a sudden you start seeing articles from like Vice where it's like, you know, um, gay people, uh, gay trans people of color are the, the strongest argument in favor of Black Lives Matter to cram all of those words into one article to maximize algorithmic pressure. And you end up with intersectionality and wokeness being amplified, monetized and profitable. People hijacked the really weak artificial or the machine learning algorithms. And then when they went prof, uh, public, Facebook went public, they started charging people money to, to get your own followers to see you as part of this That's right. algorithmic boost. I remember in 2011, we were working with Minds in this, this Facebook group called um, Exposing the Truth, which was hugely popular. And then as soon as they went public, man, no views. And everyone, everything was pay, pay for pay-per-view what happened when facebook went public we had vivek ramaswamy on the other night and he was saying they were expected to have like a 55 dollar public offering when they go public it's supposed stock's supposed to be 55 it came out at like 18 bucks and then he said it was like a wealth distribution thing like intentionally they well you i think that the point of the conversation was maybe that was the exit for you know intelligence or other uh, nefarious entities that wanted to get their money out of the machine somehow like they wanted people that were honest brokers to be like, oh, I'm bailing on this. And then, or just to not buy or something They were like dumping that. Their, their connection to it. Bad um, time to dump because, I mean, Facebook stock exploded in the year subsequent to the IPO. You really what's want, it, what's you, it currently? You, you did not want to sell, I mean, what is it currently? I haven't checked lately, but in, in, I want to say 2013, 2014, 2015, that stock did incredibly well. What, wow. were, you, what were you doing with Peter Thiel? I know you're working with them in San Francisco. What was your role? Uh, just managing the the family office, you know, just always trying to find the next thing to invest in. And so his his investment company, Teal mm -hmm. Management, investment company. And the cool thing about Peter is, while he's I think the world's best venture capitalist, right, or certainly top three, but I think he's the best. Um, he's always, you know, it's like one minute you're talking about what to what to invest in, the next minute you're talking about you know China yeah. and and what's going to happen in 30 years, and then peak oil, and like what's the deal with that, and then so he's just. He's is truly he intellectually oil, omnivorous. Yeah. Is he a peak oil believer? Uh, I, he, 
have to ask him. I, th I think he would have said yes 10 years ago yeah. and now not so much. It's a very contentious idea that I believe, uh, I, I don't I don't actually believe in. But would you say his principles are more aligned with uh, making money or sharing kind of his larger uh, libertarian, more right-wing ideas? Because when you have, you know, so much power and influence, you're either motivated by let's make all this money or let's let's promote these principles. He, he did support, he did have, uh, I think, backing of Ron Paul. And then yeah. went and supported Donald Trump um, in the last election. So I was just wondering from your perspective, and if it's too personal, he, you don't no, have to No, it's not ask. too personal. I mean, I, I don't want to speak for him. He'd probably come up with some cut why those were like actually, you know, not mutually exclusive and why they actually compound if you if you pursue both goals at the same time or something like that. Do you guys define peak oil? What is that? that that's a theory that there's the oil is going to be running out. There's not going to be enough oil. And uh, therefore, we need to get off oil immediately. Because so I... I think it's true. I just think the question is how much oil? Obviously, there's a finite amount. There's a finite earth. So the question is, is there so little oil that we might run out? Or is it that it is finite, but there's so much human could never begin to consume all of it? Yeah, I don't, I don't believe it to be true because a lot of the science is also backed by the, a lot of the people who are saying, you know, the world's going to end in a few years because of the climate. So we see a lot of the same rhetoric for the same people. We always, it, it's, a, it's a decade, it's always a new problem. It's always a new controversy. Yeah, there's an alarmism, right, to exactly. it that never quite pans out. Exactly. AOC saying the world's going to end. Yeah, and the ocean levels are going to rise. The ice is going to, and then the, it was the ozone layer a couple decades before that. And then what was it a, a couple decades before that? There was always something going global on. Global cooling. In the global the, cooling, the, the, yeah. The, global the, warming. Global the ozone's cooling. not a good argument, in my opinion, because a bunch of regulations were put in place. Fan CFCs, the ozone is fine now. Yeah, but so the right. sensationalism. So that, that, yeah, yeah. that actually gives them brownie points when you make that argument, because they're like, oh, yeah, we banned the things causing that, and we fixed it. Yeah. So I, I, I say, you know, look, it's, it's, it's not uh, um, one or the other. We had global cooling, now we have global warming. That gives me pause. The ozone layer thing is an entirely different issue. Yes, I, I'm just I'm just talking about the kind of talking points when uh, people are saying the world is going to end every decade. We should that we was should, one of the talking points and the parameters of what you described as correct. We just we just got to start a new one. We got to start like um, how about global tremoring? Acid rain is also another no, 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 big one. Well, well, Artificial right. intelligence. No, 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 that's no, no, one global tremoring. Uh, more earthquakes are going to happen because of fracking. That well, that's that, that's a real one. Yeah. That's, a real, that's, a, that's a real one too. Yeah, but I was gonna say like the 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 uh, the, the earthquake in San Andreas, the San Andreas fault's gonna go because insert human activity here. It's all the uh, it's all the humans doing jump rope. Jumping up and down, shaking the ground, it's going to, you know, you know gotta stop, no more, no more exercise, stop a, exercising. A real one is we might get hit by meteors if we just sit around on our hands for the next 300 years. Um, it wiped out previous civilizations. So. Solar flare. Solar flare is going to wipe out all of our electrical equipment. Hard to tie that one back to, to uh, human causes, but it's you know that's why it's always considered. Uh, it's the TV. It's all of the, the the radio waves. We're messing with the yeah that's bouncing I'd around. I submit that the two real ones, one um, which is which is more of a slow boil, is China. I really do yeah. think China is a is a existential threat long term. Unfortunately, right? We're already in some kind of cold war with China, and we need to make sure we win that so that we never get into a hot war with China. And then, speaking of hot war, it's nuclear power. I still, or nuclear um, war. I still think we are underpricing the risk to having the Russia-Ukraine situation escalate into an all-out nuclear war. Wait, wait. So you oppose giving Zelensky forty-five billion dollars? I do. Did you oppose <laughs> him wearing, so wearing green army fatigues when he went to the White House? 
Or everyone was like, people, I saw people that's, like, I think he should have worn a suit. Who cares? I don't yeah, give a damn. I don't, I don't care. Yeah, like, don't they're care. giving away, they're, they're gutting this. First of all, I'm going to just come out and say it. I know, guys, I went to the White House. I didn't wear a suit either. But that's not the point. The point is, I'm, I'm not concerned that a dude showed up not wearing a suit. I know a lot of people are talking about the decorum of the White House. I'm like, bro, I'm less concerned about that and more concerned that they unfurl the Ukrainian flag and then say, the, the, Mitch McConnell's like, the, the top priority for America is to support Ukraine. At least that's what Republicans think. It's like, no, that's what you think, dude. Regular people are kind of like, why is gas expensive? When I saw Biden put his hands on uh, Zelensky, I was like, oh, I, I pictured him thinking it said, hello, presidential puppet. Hello, thank you. Because he's a puppet. They put him up and they put him in power in 2014 when they forced a revolution in Ukraine. Then they just installed this guy. I know maybe it's not a popular. But I, I will tell you, as a candidate for federal office, if you oppose giving unlimited amounts of money to Ukraine, uh, they will call you a Putin puppet. That's right. That's like, how dumb is that? Like, Putin's bad. The invasion's bad. I condemn it. Okay. It's like, we should look for ways to, to get those two countries to the negotiating table and we all want a ceasefire, right? But remember when Rand Paul just stuck his neck out and said, hi, I can't block this. You know, I forget it was 40 billion at the time. But if we're going to send it, can we at least get an inspector general assigned yep. to it? Can we get a spreadsheet so we know if this money is just being wasted or if it's just being stolen or what? Do, do you hear Zelensky's wife went on like a shopping spree or something? 40 grand or they, something like that? They say if you want to see who our next enemy is, look at who we're funding right now. I keep hearing that pop up. And I'm like, wait, so is Ukraine, are the Ukrainian Nazis our next war in six years? Yep. When, the, the when, Battalion. when Russia, uh, assuming if Russia ends up winning for whatever reason, and then all those weapons are sitting there among pro-Russian factions and they get armed and then start fighting against us, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, well they're not just sitting there. There's also intelligence reports detailing how there's already a, a, a very uh, boosterous uh, uh, black market already in Europe right now with many of the advanced U.S. weapons being sold to, of course, criminal gangs, probably jihadists that, have, that, that, that now have surface-to-air missiles that could take down airliners and airplanes. So, uh, you know, w w when we're just sending weapons down there without any transparency or accountability, that that's a recipe for disaster. This is the same administration and government that says it's too dangerous for you to have a handgun with so many rounds in it. But they're sending surface to air missiles on the black market to Europe right now, which is absolutely mind boggling. Here, here's what I think. You know, that forty five billion dollars, I would rather they spend it on a gigantic sign floating in outer space that says Vladimir Putin is a very bad person because at least it's ours and we're spending it as we choose instead of just giving it away to Ukraine to fund a proxy war. Granted, let's be real. It's not even a proxy war anymore. It's just, it's a NATO conflict. They were really Russia. overt about it. They're like, yeah. they are our allies. Here's the Ukrainian flag. I don't know if they said ally. What do you, what's your vision of, of a ceasefire and drawdown of the militants in the Ukraine right now? I mean, I think we basically know the, the contours, right? It's like, I mean, so the problem is Ukraine definitely wants Russia out of Crimea. I don't think that's in the U.S. interest. I don't think U.S. is going to force that, right? Uh, if if Ukraine is simply not allowed uh, to join NATO, and that's a line in the sand, but they can join the EU, let the Donbass have a plebiscite, they can figure out who's going to rule the Donbass. I mean, I think you could draw this. I'm not like an expert in this stuff, but I think you could draw a peace agreement that gives Putin some face-saving ability to get out of this thing because it hasn't worked well for him. Uh, it gives Ukraine most of what they want, and it de-escalates so that we don't actually have nuclear missiles flying in six months. It just feels like Biden, un, you know, un, I don't know, I, don't, I actually don't know how with it he is, right? But it feels like he's kind of just in zombie-like fashion marching us towards nuclear war. Yeah, I still yeah. think the chances of that are very low, but of course the costs of that are so high. I mean, we're talking if the missiles start flying, yeah. it's like 2 billion people dead in 48 hours. Like, well, you can't have that. And so why are we even 
flirting with pouring more gas on the fire by sending this money in this unaccountable way. It it's also, a real problem. I don't want to be cavalier about it, but I fear that if you just put oxygen on it, uh, are we actually threatening to make the problem worse? And no one has been able to give me a satisfactory explanation for no why this is super okay and this is this is de-risking it. I actually think we might be adding risk to the system. And it's really complex. No, no, we're escalating it every time we we arm them. Every time we do that, we stop the possibility of any kind of peace deal moving forward. And there's a big possibility of a limited nuclear war there. I think also this conflict uh, allows China to be stronger. Uh, it allows them to have more influence, especially with the 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 the, the actions that are happening because of this war affecting the poorest people in the world, China's kind of stepping in uh, while there's a big crisis that's been that's built in there. And I kind of wanted to ask you, do you see China or Russia as the bigger threat to the United States? Um, because they're also working on crazy projects with Bill Gates, with uh, mini nuclear reactors. They're working on a lot of, uh, you know, technology that we're not working on here. They're, they have a lot of money, especially from Western elites. I see them as, as kind of a bigger threat myself. What about China's you? a way bigger threat. Yeah. This is not debatable. It's like Russia under Putin. I think he's bad. I, you know, whatever. But 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 no, it, they're incommensurate, right? And, the, and one of the risks, by the way, of just punishing Russia with so many sanctions, you throw the kitchen sink at them. You you the West risks pushing Russia into the arms of China, right? China would love that. China would love to have Russia as some sort of quasi satellite uh, state and the, this new new alliance, new axis against the West, right? Why would we Why would we do that? That we should try to get out of this war with Russia and Ukraine, right? We should try to force them to have a, a, a ceasefire. And then ultimately, I think it's all hands against China. What that just seems indebatable. The CCP, I imagine you mean. Yeah, CCP. What at, CCP like, can't what? can't conflate all of China with the CCP, but actually you kind of can as as long as the CCP is in power because that's how totalitarianism works. It's important. I think it's important to differentiate between the Chinese people because they're under that regime as well. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Basically, modern slaves. Right? I look at like Eastern Ukraine. I think you mentioned the Donbass region. There's two freeways that go down into Crimea, and I wonder if there's a ceasefire and we end up. There ends up being like, what, what two freeways are this? This is an interesting philosophy. East 97 and East 105, those two freeways that go down into Crimea. I mean, Russia wants a land bridge down into Crimea. You could give the Western freeway, East 95 to Ukraine and East 105 to Russia and just have some sort of peaceful alignment. I know that Zelensky and is, Zelensky's very much like Ukrainian national sovereignty. We're not giving up our land and, and period. That's it. And as long as it, the United States is funding that message. I don't, I don't see it hap happening. I, I, we, I think we really need an American push for a, a, a ceasefire. But to, to blockade Russia from the Black Sea makes no sense. Like when the Soviet Union fell apart, they gave Ukraine all that land basically to neuter Russia to make sure it didn't become another global hegemon. But at this point, it's like, yo, it is a global hegemon. It's one of the third most powerful country in the world, next to the United States and China, probably. Um, and I think, I, mean, I, don't know, I don't know, you make peaceful solutions. That's me from the outside looking in. I think you just solved about it. over there. Just in politics. I just I need to go. <laughs> I need to go to Moscow with Lex Friedman as my translator, or and you, Luke. Well, you don't speak Russian right now. I do you? don't. Okay. I'm, but you can I'm go. Polish. Yeah, There's sure. a big difference between the two. And then yeah. I need to go to China with Jack Posobiec as my translator. And then they'll have their own translators that will, and they'll be keeping each other. In They're going to give you the intrusive uh, COVID test up your. You know what? Ain't happening. I would do it. I'll do it. If it means global peace, <laughs> wow. I'll, I'll do. I'll put it up my butt. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Can we get that uh, on a meme? Yeah, Can I'm somebody sure. meme that it right now? It already happened, yeah. Send for, it to me. For, for world peace. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's that's very brave of you. Thanks, yes. sir. Yeah. You're the hero. We I, all I, need, I, Ian. A lot of these conversations, I kind of feel like we have no idea what's really going on. That these intelligence agencies know way more about international affairs than we do. They don't justify or explain it to us for 
reasons of, of retaining power, but also for, for security reasons. So we're probably sitting here saying all this stuff. They're probably sitting back in their offices going like, you have no idea. Yeah. I'm sure that's right. And then also the opposite is somehow probably right. Like, do, you know, maybe with all their information, they actually uh, don't know what's going on either. Yeah. Right. Or remember WMDs that they're in Iraq. And it's yeah, like, but, well, were, were they really or were they not? Or was did, that did they just, just lie to us? It was a PSYOP. To convince Amer the American people to support the war, just like the Gulf of Tonkin. Yeah, no, they knew there was no WMDs. There was uh, weapons inspectors that came out, and they were silenced. They were ignored by the media. They were gagged by, of course, the federal government. There was individuals. The only chemical weapons that Iraq had was the ones that the United States sold to them when they were at, at uh, war with Iran. And they were, and the U.S. government was was financing both sides of that conflict, both sides of that war. And they knew there was strategic papers out there showing specifically: you overthrow the government of Iraq, you're going to have Sunni Wahhabists take over the area. You're going to have massive sectarian violence. You're going to have Iran's sphere of influence uh, be expanded and growing in the region, which is not uh, for the American strategy, which is to align themselves with Saudi Arabia and the Sunnis. So th this was a recipe for disaster, and they knew this. They had it all outlined. They knew, hey, we're going to be hitting a beehive here and causing problems for the next few decades Ah, screw it. We're going to do it anyway. The political policy papers were all there. Everything was lined up. I was screaming about this. I, I was there. You know, I was saying this is absolutely crazy. This is insane. There's no WMDs. This is just the project for a new American century realized in real life. And that's exactly when, what happened. Uh, so I, you're, you're on the same age as, you know, like me and Luke, I think. I think I think you might be the youngest person here, but when's Th 36. What do you got? 36. Yep. But your birthday's in uh, August. August, March. And then Luke, when's your July. birthday? July. You guys all 36? Shout yeah. out to the 36-year-olds out there. But, uh, but I'm, I'm bringing this up because I'm curious of, you know, back during the, the, the loose change era, the Ron Paul revolution, were you following that stuff? Oh, yeah. I was a big Ron Paul guy in 07, 08. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I assume, like many others, that leads you to this position right now. But I, I was just wondering. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering. Uh, I mean, I definitely would have preferred John McCain to Barack Obama. Really? Oh, yeah. I see, Mr. I see quite a bit of difference between them, but zooming out, not as much difference as I would have liked. And yeah. there, then you had Ron Paul, who was basically like talking about the set of questions that nobody was talking about. And um, I forget how he did in his primaries. I mean, it wasn't, it did, the revolution did not happen, right? But it still it galvanized <laughs> a lot of people. Like you said earlier, people yeah. believed in it. And I think he actually got... This episode is brought to you by Viore. Give the active people in your life something they'll truly appreciate. Performance apparel from Viore. Whether they're into running, surfing, hiking, or even just casual walks around the block, there's something for everyone. And if you're not sure what to gift them, you can't go wrong with something from Viore's Dream Knit collection. It's the perfect gift and so comfortable. Get 20% off your first purchase today at Viore. V-U-O-R-I dot com slash Spotify. Did he get like 10% in New Hampshire or something? I mean, they cheated some... him. They, they cheated him in so many different ways, especially when it came to the polls, especially when it came to the corporate media coverage of I him. I remember following that. Uh, like they, won't, they wouldn't and mention they, him. Yeah, they, they screwed him, him over. As John McCain was literally singing songs about bombing Iran. So, and also we have to understand what happened with Barack Obama was a direct result because of the mistakes, not mistakes, but because of the destruction of the United States caused by George W. Bush. George W. Bush was put in a position of power. He abused that power. He destroyed the American Constitution. He destroyed the American economy. And because of that, we had a cultural pushback, just like we did during Vietnam and the JFK assassination, where, of course, we had the leftists become more prominent, mainly because, in my opinion, according to Bush, overreaching, doing too much and becoming uh, a totalitarian leader, which he was. 
I thought Obama was an example of like hoping that we can put an innocent, charismatic guy in power and hoping that he'll save us like a superhero. And like he gets in and gets co-opted like everyone else in that position uh, when in reality we need a ground up movement. And he promised like, I'll be there for you. And I think had we done a ground up attempt at, at like some sort of internet uh, economic revolution that he wouldn't have said no, he would have sat by and let it happen. Like he was, he was looking to do it, but he couldn't do it from the office. There's too much. That's the fascinating thing about Obama is he ran on hope and change and it's supposed to be discontinuous from Bush. Right. And, and he, he effectively harnessed voters dissatisfaction and I'm, I'm something new and, and actually his administration represented stasis and continuation yeah. and, and lock in yeah. and wall street got even richer and the Patriot act got even yeah. more fortified. You thought drone strikes under Bush were remarkable. Well, Obama just, you know, just they called pe- him pedal to the metal on that. Obama. <laughs> and you, they, they called him deporter in chief. Yeah, he actually, many, he many actually deported left. a lot of people. That's right. When I talked to the border patrol guys on uh, on the campaign, they would say, you know, Trump was great, solid A. But then they'd say, not to be partisan about it, like Obama, like B, Biden F, in yeah. terms of how these administrations supported yep. us, right? Like Obama actually understood it. And go back to an Obama speech from 08 or 09. It's like, he sounds like a right winger on immigration. He says, well, obviously a country has borders. And if you just let anyone in, you don't know who's coming in, then you can't have a country. You know, and it's like, wow, you say that now. And wow, you're a bigot. But that was Barack Obama in 08. I'm not sure if he believed it, but he knew the politics of the time were such that he had to say that. I would love to get just to talk to Barack in a room with no satellite phones beaming in and listening and hear like, no, how co-opted did you get, dude? I know that Michelle was trying to do the let's move campaign. Get off sugar. It was sugar is bad for you. Let's move and cut sugar out of our diet. And then the sugar industry came in and was like, no, 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 no. Let's make it an exercise campaign, not diet. So it was like, okay, now let's move is now an exercise campaign. Sugar industry, you're back in back in business. Katie Couric does a documentary. Better than ever, right? Didn't the let's move campaign? It's like they they you know saturated fat is bad. We're gonna ban this two percent milk from schools. Yep. And instead they introduced like strawberry flavored skim milk, which is just like <laughs> cancer and a, you know tons of sugar, sugar. But hey, it has no fat. Yeah, high Therefore, fructose corn syrup and like seed oils. Good we're, intentions can actually backfire. Surprise. We're gonna go to super chats. If you haven't already, would you kindly smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends. My friends, this is the last show of 2022 because tomorrow everyone's going to be traveling so they can be with their families on Christmas Eve. Christmas is on so Christmas is on Sunday, and we were like, well, Saturday is Christmas Eve. We don't want to make people travel on Christmas Eve, so we're going to let people travel for those that need to travel the Friday. So we're basically going to wrap up, and then the next week we had a couple of people interested in coming on, and then we got cancellations. And I was like, I, I don't think we can fill a full week to be completely honest. Plus, nobody likes working after Christmas. Not to mention, Monday is a travel day after Christmas, so I was just like, let's just take the week and stop trying to swim uphill, swim upstream. And, uh, uh, you know, I don't like taking days off, but we're not going to resist. We're going to have a good vacation, and uh, we're going to see our families. But uh, for now, we're going to read those Super Chats. So again, smash that like button. We got Kyle, who says, Blake should move to Kentucky to challenge McConnell in the next election. If not, Massey should do it. I think Massey should do it. Massey's awesome. Yeah. What a national treasure that guy is. Yeah, I got absolutely. the chance to meet him a couple months ago. Stand-up guy, obviously very funny on Twitter, and uh, he's a model congressman. It's really great. Yeah. No comment on moving to uh, Kentucky to challenge McConnell. Uh-oh. Jazz says, Tim, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I really liked the new Avatar. Did you guys see the new Avatar movie? Nope. 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 Haven't. Nope. I, I, I don't want to see it. I probably will for cultural reasons. It will probably be a fine and entertaining movie. But I just really just don't like it. I hear know? it's very culturally appropriate and uh, inappropriate, inappropriate and appropriative. Uh, yeah, appropriative and and <laughs> not woke enough. So that's why I won't see it. People have said it's good. It's probably good. is he James Cameron directed it. Yep. 
He says that yeah. uh, testosterone is the toxin in the world. I mean, you can you can get too much tea. You know, balance your tea. Oh, we got Raymond G. Stanley Jr. Tim, last super chat of 2022. A positive note. My folks told me they'd never again voting Democrat just because they're furious about porous border, billions to Ukraine, and our government not caring about its own citizens. Hey, look, it's a positive. Positive things are happening. The man. border, the, the the southern border, man. Uh, Jorge Ventura's down there just doing God's work, and the w amount of videos and transparency he's providing for people to see these people being trafficked across the river day after day after day after day for years. Like, what in the hell? That is, uh, I've never seen anything like millions that, of people. Literally millions. And then the White House press secretary says, that's not how it works. People don't just walk across the border. And it's like, no, millions of people have walked across the border since January of 2021. This is why I, I, I can't believe these voters, these, these, these voters are so stupid, but I guess they are like, there's videos of it. But people I know personally are like, no, that's not true. And it's like, can I, can I, can I pull up the video and show you what's happening? Like you're lying. It's a right wing trick. Like, oh, okay. You're in a cult. Sorry, dude. It's so weird. All right, here we go. Andrew Bruce says, tried sending a meme of Joe Biden walking with Zelensky with a photoshopped Hunter Biden in the background to my mate on Facebook Messenger, and I got hit with a violation and got logged out of Facebook. Well, I mean, why were you making fun of Joe Biden, you know? Have you thought about how maybe you deserve it? Can you believe this guy trying to make fun of Biden like that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. Call the FBI. Call the FBI. Well, they already know, because, you know, God, they're on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do we got? Oh, hi, Dare says, love you guys. Thank you for helping to keep sanity in an insane world. See you in 2023. I think our January 2nd show is going to be really, really big. I think we got a really awesome guest. Maybe. Can we say who? No. Got it. Because it might not happen. This is how it goes. Yeah. You know, like for a lot of guests, uh, they'll say yes. And then a week goes by and like, oh, no, something came up. And then we're like, we'll find somebody else. So if we announce it, then, you know, just ends up not happening. Sagas of History says, I want my, I want my MTG now. Look at them establishment. That's the way they do it. They omnibus spend on the gender studies. That ain't working. That's the way they do it. Your money worth nothing. And they take the kids for free. Oh, I get it. It's to the tune of uh, that song. Money for nothing. Is that what the song's it's called? Dire Straits. Yeah. Good yeah. one. Sting sings on that. I want my MTG. Oh, MTG. I want my MTG. Yeah. That's the way they do it. That's Gas Addict says, spending my birthday with you guys, if you don't fix something that you know is broken and it, and it breaks, that is malice, end of story. Yes, that's what it seems like. If you break it, whether or not you intended to break it, you broke it, and it needs to be fixed. Matthew Order says, the law in Arizona doesn't require intent to provide a remedy. It requires either intent or that the number of questionable ballots put the results in doubt. The judge conflated these. I, I think that's right, actually. And the question is... When the judge conflated them, is that the new standard? Somehow it shouldn't be, but it's a legal ruling. I had understood the, it, it to be you have to show uh, malice, basically malice, or some sort of innocent mistake that was then, enough to change the result. The question is, have they shown either? Then it seems like, like well, yeah. Well, but, but the but, question is, will the judge say they've shown either? Here, here's the important issue. Um, evidence is not proof. Okay, so, so having witnesses provide circumstantial evidence is not definitive proof. And the example I give to people is, you come home from work, your chocolate cake is destroyed. It's on the kitchen floor and there's paw prints in it. Is that proof? What do you think happened? The dog ate it. No, that's not proof the dog ate it. It's proof the dog stepped in it. Because then you walk over and there's the cat with chocolate cake all over its paws and the dog's got nothing on his mouth. So it turns out the evidence did not prove. 
But let's say you see the cake knocked on the ground. It's a vanilla cake this time because dogs can't eat chocolate. And there's a paw print in it. The evidence suggests to you, I'm going to go check the dog because there's a paw print here. That's evidence. And when you go to the dog, he's got icing all over his face. Okay, that's the proof. The evidence brought you there. So in this instance, what we have is evidence was presented to the court, sworn testimony, affidavits, all of that stuff. More than enough, in my opinion, that the court, the judge should, the first thing the judge should have said is, okay, defense, can you produce the chain of custody documents that they, they say don't exist? First question he should have asked, because the answer is apparently no. But okay, at, at the very least, the evidence presented should result in a hard investigation from an independent process where they go in to make a hard determination on the facts so they can say, we have evidence, we followed the evidence, here's what we found. I'm worried the judge is going to be like, meh, you know, have a nice day. So we'll see. We will see. We will see. You know, but it, but it, but it is it is good that he granted the trial in the first place because it's more than we've seen in the past. All right. Sam Uri says if GOP begin to harvest, Antifa and BLM will hunt the people in the ground game in the streets. We we will lose 2024 the same way. We are done. Nah, I'm sorry. That's too pessimistic for me. I actually think people bring up Orange County. Republican ballot harvesting is introduced, turns Democrat. Republicans figured out, turns Republican again. So I'm fairly optimistic, actually. I, th I think, especially with Elon Musk, I mean, that was a nuclear bomb dropped in the culture war. Just massive. Very good news. Let's see what we got. Joseph Flynn says, the past six years are the result of the 60 years of groundwork the political elite have laid down. We don't have 60 years to undo their work. How can we win? I like y'all, but alternatives don't work against evil. How does this not end in open violence? Open violence is the victory path for the machine, the establishment, and the left. That's why they have locked people up over January 6th for two years without a trial. Because they know how to control that. Because they know regular people are scared. The path to victory is confidence building and confidence breaking. That is, in a fifth generational war or conflict, you, you, you have to win hearts and minds. And with cameras on every street corner, violence doesn't work. When, I mean, look at all the police brutality videos that went viral. There was a period at the end of the 2000s where like every video on Facebook was police brutality. That was devastating to government. People, like you ended up with a whole wave of libertarians and anarchists being like abolish the police. So what, what works is being, being on the side of peace, being on the side of charisma, influence, and uh, you got to win some elections and, and change some rules and change some laws. That's what we got to do. But uh, I, I suppose it's a question of, if there is no reconciliation, then people get violent, and that scares me. All right. S.A. Federali says, Tim hit the nail on the head. Milo was right. Look at what people who care have had to deal with. I want revenge. I mean, I got to be honest. I'm, I, I just don't feel like whatever Kevin McCarthy says is worth anything to me. But I, I, I understand what you're saying, Blake, when you're like, he's certainly better than Jeffries. You know, Marjorie Taylor Greene has pointed out he's offering a whole lot. And I'm like, I guess if you're a Republican, that makes sense. There are certainly things he's offered that I want, but I just don't trust them. Never, never have, never will. And at this point, I know you may not feel that way, but I'm like. I understand that most people do. But I mean, looking at how they abandoned you and at worst may have actively, actively worked against you. I'm like, dude, these people do not deserve my support. Sorry, I ain't gonna have But I, I, I do think, you know, if you're at least willing to try and uh, uh, keep a cool head about it, that's, that's honorable. Don't look at me. I'm a, I could be a hothead sometimes. So, but a lot of people, I'm, I don't agree with the revenge narrative. And I'd like to talk to Milo about the next time I see him, because I feel like that's French revolution territory where they were executing people by beheading for, a, you know, just, for I'm not talking about wrong. that. Well, that's what, ha yeah, that's what happens. I'm talking about you... firing a guy. You know what I mean? 
Like you're fired. Go I home. See. Hold, holding anymore. people up to to accountability is one thing, but trying to harm them physically. Uh, I, you could say that firing someone is a form of harm, but I'm not talking about that kind of harm. I'm talking about like when I say revenge, I'm saying fire him. And if it means the Democrat might win the speaker, I just I don't know if that's all that much different. In okay. my opinion, then let's let's call it righteous accountability. How's that? And I'm talking about rights, your rights. They have rights. They have human rights. Revenge doesn't imply violent action. It just implies an emotional satisfaction of some sort as comeuppance to a perceived slight or something. My, my attitude is just these people have never represented me. I've never been a big fan of them. And I feel like they were actively working against the people that I cared about and, and, and thought were trying to help me. I see a lot of candidates and they're like, we want to make your life better. I'm like, oh, I really like that. They want to make other people's life better. I really like that. And then I see the GOP establishment being like, we're going to hurt them. And I'm like, okay, I, I want them fired. Just right. as an aside, Just I, fired. I was listening to Mitch McConnell on a video. Man, he sounds tired compared to a couple of years ago. I haven't heard from him in a couple of years. I haven't heard his voice. And it's just like it's time to retire, man. Yeah. All right. Midas says, Luke, a government will always form in all of history. Every community has turned into a government. It's how it is. The key is to form the best government possible. The founders made the first honest attempt. Now it's time we do it again and better. Yeah, we we talked about that on the after show, and I we we kind of went to the same kind of conclusion. There there is a kind of government, but I think the best government is decentralized government, and I think we should be pushing for that more than ever, and slowly make sure that we are more personally responsible for ourselves and don't need government. How big of a local police force do you think is is justifiable? Depends on the. Uh, I mean, I, I, <laughs> like a community of like a hundred people like, or a thousand people. Like honestly, keep- like like like. <sighs> It, 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 a lot of it depends on culture, but for me personally, like none. Well, I mean, just all like right. how, how small communities will like police themselves. They'll be like, all right, Luke, you're the one that has the best accuracy. So you're the sheriff. And then it like, and then it scales up to a thousand people. And we're like, well, now we need like nine police to take care of this or 13 police. And like, mm. like, how do you keep it decentralized as the community? Militia. Grow? Local militia and courts. But like, as communities grow, I feel like the militia grows and like, then when it's no longer centralized because the militia's headquarters is three miles away. You got to think about it in terms of in the early days of this country, when there was a more common morality, not saying it was all good. Obviously there were bad things, but if everyone in the neighborhood took action to protect their community, community, you wouldn't need police to a certain degree, because if someone started doing something illegal, everyone would turn and be like, we have to stop them. Nowadays, most people are like, leave me out of it. So then someone has to be appointed to stop them. And even the cops are going, leave me out of it. Yeah. And they're watching violent crimes happen and be like, I don't want to get involved. You know what I mean? So like, meanwhile, the left wants to get rid of qualified immunity. Actually, we might disagree on that. Right. But like they want to get rid of qualified immunity, which is really going to keep police on the sidelines. Right? What, what does that mean exactly? I mean, the cops are right pretty now much on the sidelines already. They, but, they, but they are like, yeah. And or or they're, they're the good cops have already left. Yeah. Did you see what happened during cops. Black Lives Matter? The cops were just standing by. Literally, they didn't do anything. New York Very City. often they're ordered to stand down. Exactly. Right? Like, or just saying, I'm not going to take the risk. So, right, let's so look. Qualified immunity is that if they, pr- they, they they're held the responsible for their actions. The left wants yeah. people to be able to sue individual police officers in their individual capacity for anything that goes wrong. Well, you do that, then no cop who needs to respond. Sometimes you do need to respond to very dangerous things, right, with, with physical force. And so if everyone's thinking, I'm going to get sued for this personally, like who's going to want to be a cop? Like it's already I don't a really know, I'm, hard I'm, job. I'm, I'm in favor of that. Really? I, th- I think we should have less cops and more guns. 
I agree with the more guns, maybe the number of cops is fine. <laughs> I actually think we actually think we do have a disorder problem on the street and, and we need more police officers and we I, just need I, to have less tolerance. But, but for, with more police officers, they're going to only be enforcing what the attorney general in that particular district wants them to enforce. And that's usually the wills of George Soros going after people oh, in your political party. I agree party. that that's a disaster. But, but hold on, exactly. hold on. Here's, here's, a better, a here's a better example. Illinois. It's illegal for someone to have a gun. If you are a law-abiding citizen in all circumstances... And they find out that you, as a father of three, terrified for your neighborhood and your family, illicitly acquire a weapon. They're coming after you. If you are a gang leader surrounded by a bunch of guys strapped with a whole bunch of, I mean, modified handgun, you know, modified Glocks for full auto or whatever, they're going to stay away from you. That's right. So what happens is the cops are like, hey, I'm not going into that neighborhood. Those guys got heavy guns. But this father, he wants a gun. So the problem end up, ends up becoming, look, if you're a cop, I totally get it. Do you want to walk into gang territory where they, they're intent on killing you with high-powered weapons? Or are you just going to arrest the low-hanging fruit? So my attitude is like, growing up in Chicago, I actually think there's a, there's a potential for accidental discharge and things like that. There always is. But what I saw, all of the criminals know they can rob you. All the criminals know there's nothing you can do about it. They don't care if they go to jail. The way they talk, because I know, so, I, I, I grew up with some of these guys. They say things like, I have not gone to jail yet. They expect it to happen. Me, I don't want to go to jail and I'm not going to break the law. So when these guys walk up to you with weapons and knives and guns or whatever, they know you don't have one. I would much rather live in a society where they see me walking down the street and they can't tell what that thing is in, in, in near my waist under my jacket. So they go, nah, not that guy, not that guy. Because it could be the end of your life or it could be permanent injury. But the problem with places like Chicago is they're like, dude's probably carrying a phone. He doesn't have a gun. Gun-free zones, right? Exactly. Only law-abiding citizens respect gun-free zones. The criminals. So I they don't. don't. I don't. I don't want to put it on the cops. I don't think it's fair to say, officer, you stand in front of me when that guy's threatening me. No, no, no. Don't worry. I got it. I got a Second Amendment. If that guy wants to threaten my life, I will protect myself. I think both are good. An armed citizenry is good, and and well-trained, supported police are good. If you don't have selective enforcement, the selective enforcement is really bad, right? Yeah. You just described anarcho tyranny. Right. Like, we're not going to apply the law but over here, but we are over here. And the, that's and the, what we have now. That's but, crazy. But, yeah. but actually, that's actually, really you, you make a fair point. Um, I, I made this point before that if, if you go back in time to when there was a more unified cultural morality, you're driving down the street in a small town. You get pulled over. Sheriff's deputy gets out of the car and he goes, Blake, I told you last time not to speed. Now, I got to see your dad down at the pub tonight. What am I going to tell him? When the community was closer with each other, when they saw each other at church, when they knew their neighbors, or he'd pull you over and beg license and registration, you hand him and you go, Masters, are you John Masters, kid? That's you. I, you know, I see your dad on the weekend sometimes down at the, the range or whatever, and I'm going to have to tell him I pulled you over. And you're going to be like, oh, geez, much more personal, much, there's much more at stake. That cop knows if I beat this kid up, that his dad's going to be screaming at me. That happened to me once in Cuyahoga Falls growing up. I, I think I rolled a stop and the cop pulled me over and was like, Crossland? Tim's son? I was like, yeah. He was like, get out of here. <laughs> well, I'm not talking right. about getting a freebie. I'm just saying, like, I get pulled over by a cop, and he goes, you were speeding. And then I was, I wasn't speeding. And I was like, I'm sorry, I, was, I wasn't speeding. I'm, I'm, I was exiting off of, onto Belmont from Lakeshore Drive. I was like, I'm 10 under the limit. And he goes, tell it to a judge, and he throws a ticket at me. If we were in a smaller community, and this guy knew there were repercussions for lying and giving me a false ticket, and my dad was going to show up at church and be like, what are you doing? You're lying. They think twice about brutality or, or, or doing wrong. More importantly, even the criminals who come in think twice because they know they'll get ostracized. But we've become this big detached blob where no one knows each other and no one cares. So I guess my point is, 
you're right. You know, cops can be very, very good so long as they feel that there is something at risk if they if they go against the community. Selective enforcement arises out of the fact that cops are like, don't know you, don't care. I'll never see you again. And then it just becomes callous. All right, let's read some more. Where are we at? Oh, Noah Sanders says, hey, guys, Phoenix Ammunition is back on Twitter. Nice. That's cool. Glad to see it. Oh, I like this one. Max Reddick says, Tim, Sam Cedar made a video saying Ian is an anti-Semite. It's time to call out Sam. So tired of people like him. I saw. Um, did you see that? I didn't see the video. I, I, I watched the first it. like 10 seconds or 30. Of, they were just laughing. So I guess they were having a good time, which is good. It's because you said Kanye was going to save the Jews. Save or the Jews, baby. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about. It was a claim I made where I was like, "If you don't believe in God, you're not Jewish." And it's like, well, I think what happens is because it's like there's the cultural Jews and there's the religious Jews, and there's a, even a conflation within Judaism that if you don't believe in God, like some the religious ones think the cultural is not enough. And I think culturally, you're an Israelite. You're from the tribe of Jacob, who's Israel. Everyone is the Israelites. But if you don't believe in God, then are you? Did you follow the the Jewish path? If you you know, and I want I want to. I think, I think you got to talk to a rabbi. Oh, heck yeah. Let me read this one. Powder PZ says, if the judge rules the 290,000 ballots, it's 298,000 ballots, broke chain of custody and are invalid, what happens with Blake's case since he lost by less than that? That's a good question. Although, I, again, what's what's the remedy? When the judge says it's invalid, is he going to order a new election? Somehow, I well, don't think he's so going to I think, I think the judge is going, the judge is probably going to say, Chain of custody was broken. That's bad. The law doesn't give me a remedy. And unless you can prove that either 17,000 in Kerry's case or 125,000 in my case were changed, not doing anything. But does the law need to give him a remedy? If I was the judge and someone said these ballots have no chain of custody, I'd say, oh, well, then they're not valid. Like the, the law requires actually that they have chain of custody. And if they don't, I don't consider them ballots. So remove them. And so the question then becomes, if the judge just says 290,000 ballots will be removed from the total count, go through them and figure out who got what. It would throw every race into question whose margin was less than 250,000 or whatever, well, I think which it, is all of them. I think it, if it's Maricopa County, it would flip everything Republican because these are predominantly going to be Democrat votes. I don't know. We, we talked a little bit about this earlier. I don't know if the margin in Maricopa County, Democrat or Republican, is enough with that number to change the results of your election if 290,000 were rejected, right? Like it was 125,000. That means it needs to be like two to one Democrat to Republican, but I don't think it was that much, right? It was closer. We have to do the math. But it'd be very interesting to see what the judge rules, right? I mean, I, if someone came to me and said, do you think the judge is going to rule in favor of Carrie Lake? I would say no. I just don't see it as possible. If I had to make a bet, I'd be like, I'm not, I'm not going to, I wouldn't put a dollar on it. I don't trust that, you know, there, he's, he's going to say what you, you're right. He's going to say, he's gonna say no it was really messed up and sorry about that. And we should all be outraged that there's going to be no accountability. We talked about accountability for, for politicians. For What about the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors? Like your one job was to make sure that there was a well, smooth election day administration and they failed to do it. Did they fail to do it on purpose? Did they just, I'm willing to say like, hey, for thought for purposes of this discussion, assume that they're just incompetent. Here's, well, usually when you're that incompetent, you get fired. Let's, let's remove the politics from everything. And I'll tell you where the problem is right now. A witness testified they did not receive chain of custody documents and were told that they don't exist. Immediately, there needs to be an investigation because it's a matter of law. Will the judge make a criminal referral for an investigation to find these chain of custody documents? I think the answer is no. That's the problem. That has nothing to do with, the, with overturning election. I'm just saying outright, as a matter of criminal law, we need to know if the chain of custody documents exist. They were requested by one of the parties in the election. 
We're told they don't exist. What's going on? Then there's the problem of if the documents don't exist and there is a criminal referral and someone is criminally charged for not following the law, how could those votes then count? Because you certainly couldn't come out and say, now, hold on there a minute. We understand that the law was broken and we have no evidence that these ballots were, were legitimately cast, but we're going to count them anyway. Then the cost of winning election is just for the individual who wants to go to prison. That means in all, if, if they don't solve this in any future election, an individual can be like, I'm willing to go to prison if it means half a million votes go to my candidate. But that's already the structure of the law in so many other cases in Arizona, like ballot harvesting in Arizona. It's illegal, right? I'm not allowed to go to a nursing home or assisted living facility and collect ballots and turn them in. That would be illegal. But if someone did that, even if they got caught and prosecuted, the ballots that they illegally harvested count. I mean, even if you could identify them, right. they're illegal votes as soon as they get into the post office, which is really crazy, right? You think that an illegally harvested ballot as soon as if you could identify it, wouldn't count. No, in Arizona law, it counts. You can just public. Uh, this, this is corruption. Penalize the person the, the, who did it. The founding fathers that, that did not intend for this to be the system of gamesmanship. Whoever can manipulate the numbers to the best wins. No, it was of, for, and by the people. If we know definitively the will of the people is not being followed through, then we have an obligation as the people to remedy that. But to, to come out and be like, well, the law says there's nothing we can do. It's like you expect a government of, for, and by the people to just be not of foreign by the people because of a statutory claim? That's insane. All right, let's, we'll, we'll, we'll grab some more here. Brody Nevis says, love the show, guys. Bring on the Tate brothers. Also, Andrew is 36. I was watching a video from him, and he was talking about, uh, dude, I think, I, I haven't watched a lot of Andrew Tate stuff. Um, I've known of him for a while, and I watched a couple of videos, but the couple of videos I've seen, I really like. He had one where he's telling people to like sign up to his program, become a member. It costs money and all that. And that I'm like, yeah, 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 we get it. But the whole video is actually really good. He's like, you're sitting there, a loser, eating, getting fat, playing video games. When you could be winning, you could be changing your life. You could be improving. And then he says something like the rocket ship going to the moon doesn't stop halfway and chill for a little bit. It keeps going and it's hard. And that means you got to start working hard now and not stop. You can't give up. And I'm like. Oh, yeah, he's right. Yeah, but in space, the inertia will take you there. You don't have to keep your thrusters on the whole time. Okay, but you get the point. Oh, we're totally going to debate. <laughs> Bring him on. Come on, Andrew. No, I, I think it was great. Like I mentioned, when he, he did a video where he says happiness is irrelevant, you have to, if you're happy or sad, you wake up, you do the exact same thing. You work hard. And I'm like, that dude's, he's completely right. That's, that's motivation. Right? Oh, he's yeah, we should, we should go to Dubai and interview them. Like he's like a world Come on, we famous. can do that, right? I think he's a kickboxer, Press right? one if well, you I want guess, us to do that. I guess we have this next week. I kind of want to spend time with family, <laughs> but uh, January 3rd, I would love nah, to go to Dubai. It's, it's just, it would take like a whole day to travel there. Yeah, we do it over the weekend. And then do a week in Dubai? Yeah. That's crazy. We could set it up in Dubai. That'd be That's awesome. Uh, you know why I wouldn't want to do it is because the, the speech laws they have are not, in my opinion, conducive to a show like this. Yeah, but, but it's the same like Bali. You know, Indonesia has their own laws, but Bali has respect for tourists. And it, 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 there's, yeah, the, the, yeah, If there's yeah. a will, there's a way. Perhaps, perhaps. Everyone's but, pressing uh, one in the chat. But I think he also he, he also goes to uh, Europe too. Romania. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, I love Romania. So let's go to Romania. I mean, I would. I, I was I, there before too. It was. It's a pretty awesome. Country. They have an awesome fast food pizza joint. I thought Romania was awesome when I went there. I enjoyed it. What are the What are the two big cities there? It's like Bucharest. Bucharest. And, right. and what's the other one? I forgot. Braz Brazov. Brazov. I don't know. I, I loved it. I thought it was so fantastic. Great place, by the way. Or we could be like, let's meet in the middle. Let's go to Poland. 
I mean, that'd be cool too. Or Budapest. Know, I'd, love, I'd love to. I'd love to check that one out. Damien Simmons says, Luke, today I found out about gold back currency that is state based, New Hampshire, uh, etc. What is your, uh, for example, what is your input on cryptocurrency backed by gold and silver or a state backed crypto? Um, you know, my sentiment, always be skeptical. But when it comes to this economy, I think it's best to uh, diversify as much as you can and not put anything in one particular basket. We don't know what's happening right now. It's an absolutely crazy market. Don't trust anyone. And uh, just try to have your money all over the place because uh, you never know what's going to happen. Kalishnikov says, go watch the EPA's new diesel engine regulatory announcement. The emission requirement essentially bans them and will force you to buy the Chinese electric truck that doesn't work. Oof, probably. It's the way things go, I guess, you know. All right, what do we got? Martin Edgar says, I saw a show that stated there was a noticeable polar shift. Then the shift changed in the opposite direction. The culprit was identified as the massive construction in China is causing the earth to be unbalanced. Is that true? Ian? Uh, I don't know. There uh, are yeah, Ian? There are pole shifts. You can watch the, the way the earth's spinning. It's kind of like a, it, it's not spinning completely even. So it's like wobbling. And sometimes you'll see the pole moving in like a spiral. I have no idea though to answer that question. Crip DJ says, where are your shirts made, Luke? Um, I believe South America. Right. I don't know. I got to double check. If, uh, do you use spring? Um, I use a number of different companies. So I, I have like three to four companies that I use right now. We're looking to, uh, we used to work with a local shop in the United States, uh, but they're no longer active. But if you have an active t-shirt store that you're printing shirts in the United States from the United States, the shirts are actually made, uh, in South America. I think it was either, um, Ecuador, I think I, I forgot exactly which country, but if you have a, you have a store here, hit me up. I would love to work with, uh, an American business. I did before. I want to do it again. I will say it's uh, hard. Uh, it's very hard. On, we it's had expensive. to make t political t-shirts, right? So yeah. I insisted on made in America blanks, right? It, why not? Really hard. You find an all, a shade of olive green that you like. Good yeah. luck finding that shirt in, in you know. For like 30 it, bucks. 30 bucks if you can get it. Or it might yeah. take six months to get a U.S. made blank. Meanwhile, the stuff in Honduras, the stuff in El Salvador, it's just, that's, you can't even make. Meanwhile, I, my I, wife. I gotta open a t-shirt factory. My wife uh, does vintage shopping for our kids, eight-year-olds and six-year-olds. And so when you get on eBay and you get a shirt made in the 80s or 90s, invariably made in the usa made yeah. in the usa we've just outsourced this exactly you want to buy american it's really hard yeah i think we should give the the, the people the option to buy either american or from south america um so if you have a american t-shirt business uh email me info at wearechange.org and uh, i want to do that again so all uh, right south america's america too yeah south That's america's right. pretty awesome too i love south america all right, everybody, if you have not already, would you kindly smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends, become a member at TimCast.com. And this is it, the finale, the sign-off for 2022. I'll tell you what our plan is. We're going to spend time with family. We're going to enjoy it. We're going to relax for a little bit and just uh, cool off after Christmas. And then uh, I'm going to go up to New York City because we have big Times Square billboards up right now for New Year's. And we are going to the official New Year's party where supposedly all of the big shots in New York are going to be because we're invited. And I'm going to really, really enjoy that. I wonder how that will turn out. We'll see. It'll be fun because Luke will be there, too. Mm -hmm. yeah, and I, and I, <laughs> I'm great at events. I tell a lot of jokes. This time, Luke's not uh, sneaking in. He's being invited in to the, the den of Capital City. That's rare. It is very, yeah. I usually get you know, kicked out. I would call it uncommon at this point. No but longer I, rare. It's but I, more I, common. So, uh, you know, the, the rumor is the official New Year's Eve party is going to have a lot of uh, big shots 
Democrat players and things like that. And we're going as cordially invited guests to enjoy the buffet and watch the festivities. And uh, I imagine that we will be calm and collected individuals, but we'll see how that goes. So uh, I just want to say thank you all so much for your support in these past few years and this year, especially allowing us to have that cultural dominance, at least to the degree we do by doing things like in Times Square and becoming a member helps us continually do more. The next big project is we're launching a coffee shop. The building has already been purchased. We are now... Um, beginning the process of designing and planning out the coffee shop and the hangout. It's in West Virginia. First floor is going to be cafe. Second floor is going to be games and hangout. Third floor is going to be a podcast studio where we can do Friday night special events and members can hang out on the first floor as we do the show. And then hopefully within the next year, we have four to 10 new locations and we can keep opening up these cultural spaces where people can hang out, meet each other, share ideas, and we can build that movement. So thank you all so much. You can follow the show at Timcast IRL. You can follow me personally at Timcast. Blake, do you want to shout anything out? Thanks for having me. You guys are uh, you guys are great, and really appreciate it. You got to come to Arizona more. I, I, Maybe we'll do a joint one fun. with me and Carrie. Or well, you know, with um, if if Turning Point USA is willing to have us, Charlie, here, absolutely. Yeah, this this space they built for us is incredible, and um, considering the amount of space they do have, you know, if there's ever another opportunity where they can get us a temporary setup, we could definitely come down and 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 do other things like that. We were we were planning on doing stuff like that, uh, going to Miami. We we did go to Austin. We have the mobile trailer and everything. But it's like you got you got to find a place where you can hook up, get internet, and do all that stuff. Fortunately for us with Arizona, Charlie said Here we, we are. could yeah. we could build you a studio and get your logo on the screen. We, and we definitely amazing. we definitely have to travel more. Where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, at BG Masters. Uh, Blake, thank you so much for coming on. That was great. Thank you for uh, giving us your perspective. My website is LukeUncensored.com, which is getting the business from PayPal, as PayPal just announced that they're going to be unsubscribing everyone from my members area. Of course, we had an alternative a couple months ago set up. Tell Peter Thiel. Be like, Thiel, what are you doing? I'm just joking. He's, not, he's no longer at PayPal. But uh, they're unsubscribing everyone. We set up an alternative months ago, but there's still some members being signed up there. They're going to be forcefully cut off. So if you're on PayPal and you're signed up to Luke Uncensored, com. Go to that website, get off PayPal, sign up on all, on our alternative. We have a third alternative that we're working on right now, LukeUncensored.com. And uh, right before Christmas, thank you, PayPal. Really appreciate it. Um, still, the majority of my members were on there. So, uh, yeah, that sucks. So, well, Thanks for coming, bro. That was hot. This is fun. Good to see you, man. Thank you. Uh, you guys, when you go see your family, I hope you have a chance to do this, this holiday Spend some time listening to what they have to say. Really just listen. And remember, if you disagree, if you start to get flushed, if you want to talk politics, whatever, uh, that you're blessed just to be able to have the conversation and be there for them. You know, people are, people are waking up all over Earth. And uh, I want to remind you about this lovable, wonderful Mr. Bocus. Keep Bucko in your thoughts. I'm looking forward to seeing Bucko. I'll see him on the 2nd of January. I've been, uh, I've been looking to get him stem cells, uh, a stem cell treatment for his kidneys, which were underdeveloped. For, but the you know congenital kidney uh, issues, so they say that stem cells are more for like chronic kidney issues and things. So I don't know if it's going to work. I'm well, he, he does out. have chronic kidney disease. Okay, so there might yeah, be there might, might be, be a, a path forward here, and I would love to pioneer some new regenerative medicine and then publicize and popularize the technology and save millions of more cats and dogs and people across Earth and beyond. All right. Take care of yourself. All right, everybody. Thanks for hanging out, and we will see you all next year.
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.